All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 85 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night. Today is March the 6th, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee. Before we get into things tonight, I want to thank last Saturday's guest, Victor Roman Sr. He is a rookie card theorist. We had an amazing discussion. Before I knew it, we were an hour and a half in. It felt like we were 15 minutes in. Check it out. Really interesting discussion. It is in the archives on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel there for you to watch whenever it is convenient for you. I also want to thank my After Hours guest from last Saturday. That was the Wonderkind collector, Charles Hind. We had a great discussion and uh, always love having Charles on the show. Next Saturday, my guest will be Paul Lesko. He is the Hobbies Legal Analyst and he's got a big list of issues to talk about. So check that out next Saturday. By the way, we are closing in on 2,400 subscribers on the YouTube channel, so thanks everyone for that. Please subscribe if you have not yet. Greatly appreciate that. Hit the thumbs up, hit the bell, all those things. Really appreciate it. Also want to get you guys to check out on Instagram, the Big 3 Hockey. There they are on the ticker right now. Give them a follow. They showcase the finals, the finest singles in the hobby and are great supporters of the channel. Tonight's After Hours guest will be good friend of the show, Joe Perot. We will be going live at 12.30 a.m. Eastern tonight. That's right after this show with Brian Gray. Come and check us out for that later on tonight. As always, guys, your questions, your comments are in play, so be sure to do that. And I want to mention that Adam Gray from the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine asked me to share with you all that he will be offering a 12-month subscription to the magazine, the Basketball Card Fanatic, for $80. If you want to subscribe, please look on the ticker right now, $80. Send it to paypal.me slash basketballcard. Mention SCL or Sports Cards Live, and you will be eligible to subscribe to the magazine for one year, I want to quickly show you the cover of the current issue. Here it is. I'm just going to shrink that down so it fits on the screen all at once. So that is the cover. And in the ep in the issue, I don't want to show too much, but I'm just going to scroll down here quickly. There's an, an interview with Nat Turner that goes on for like six or eight pages. So be sure to check that out. You, it, it's It's fresh off the press, Nat Turner content. So you will definitely want to check that out. All right. Let's bring on tonight's guest. You all know him. You all love him. He's a regular here. He's a fan favorite. Let's bring him out. Brian Gray, welcome to the show yet again. How are you doing tonight, my man? Hey, Jeremy. How are you, buddy? Great to be here. I'm good, dude. It's always it's always fun to have you, BG. It's always favorite episodes. And, uh, and there's lots to talk about tonight. Before we jump in, though, I want to share with everybody. If you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen that I've shared a couple of these wraps that are being uh, unleashed unto the hobby by Instagram account Victory Investments. One of my favorites. I love this guy. He does fun. He does great things. So I'm going to play this for you guys and uh, and you know just in, in enjoy it. And we're going to set the tune for the episode uh, for our episode tonight. So here we go. Check this out. It's less than a minute long. The hobby ain't going away. I hope that you hear what I say. You think that a bubble is coming? I'm telling you, cards are not going away. Hey, listen, it's just the beginning. I don't know what in and we in, but we in it. We winning. We buy what we love because we love what we buy. We invest in the goats and we fly. Ha, I'm buying my homie. I'm buying my Jackie. I'm flipping my way up to Mickey. I'm picky. I might just go get me a Ricky. I might just go get me a Pippin. I'm tripping. I'd rather just save for a Kobe. 
I gotta stop playing them games. James, oh boy, I've been dropping them names. Like Zion, we hop on a plane. Fly, Shea Wave Logs, he the OG NYC. He the king with the Kobe's. Left Kobe a new dude, but he knocked out Shaq like a true blue. Got my boy PSA Orange Diamonds. The true Don and my boy climbing. My dude Mark buys cards with a true spark. Mater, he got the force like Darth Vader. I ain't a hater, but no cards like Mark Mater's. <laughs> The hobby ain't going away. I hope that you hear what I say. You think that a bubble is coming? I'm telling you, cars are going. The hobby ain't going. All right. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. The hobby ain't going away. He's saying He's right. bubble, right? What He's do you right. think? I mean, completely right. Hobby isn't going anywhere. You know, there's lots of talk right now about top shot and digital and all this but at the end of the day we got to remember that cardboard has been around for well over 100 years it's sustained world wars it's sustained economic crashes it's sustained and thrived in an in a in a pandemic it's not going anywhere if you think it is i i mean you're you're, you're entitled to that opinion i don't think it's going anywhere brian what do you think oh you're entitled to your opinion but you'd be wrong if you think it's going away <laughs> Nothing wrong with the wrong opinion. No, I, I, I'm the guy who thinks we're in the second or third inning of a nine-inning game, and people can't believe I think it's that early. But you've got to have vision. And I think if you have vision and you compare it to other marketplaces that have undergone this kind of growth, these early moves look very big early. But in the scope of a 10- or 15-year period, something doubling is really nothing. And so I think people, I think you have to have vision. And, and honestly, the fact that people are scared and some people sell and they doubt – probably good for the market yeah i think no. it helps the market if everybody thought everything was going up forever it probably would not be ideal you know the result would probably be terrible so you know we've talked a lot on this show over the past year and i've seen it elsewhere the whole uh, baseball game analogy you know a nine inning game what inning are we in i forget who it was but somebody very astutely made the comment in the last three or four weeks that all this talk about a nine inning game why limit it to nine innings? Who says? Because when you say a nine inning game, you're implying there's an ending. Who's to say this ball game is ever going to end? And that's a little, that's a new spin on the ball game analogy, right? I, that makes sense to me. Why yeah. would it ever end? Well, I'm thinking more. I'm thinking more of this stage of the market, this stage of the rally. This first move, I think, is still early. But I think you're going to play. I mean, the World Series is in one game, like you say, it's seven games potentially, and seven games could be longer than our lifetime because we played. I mean, think how long we've been playing. So it's kind of like you think about how long the earth has been here. You know, we're in this very small piece. I mean, you have to have this kind of perspective before us and after us. And I think if you do, you can use that analogy and be thinking somewhat short term, but that's just game one. Yeah. And the game's going to change. One might have a little change of scenery, but there'll be a game two. And, and, just, and just like in Major League Baseball or any sport, you know, rules change over time. Like you said, the hobby's going to change. It's going to evolve. Yeah. So. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, the game's going to go on forever. Hopefully, you know, I've said it, I said it recently, as long as there's sports, there's going to be sports cards. So, you know, until sports go away, the hobby's not going away. That's, and so our friends at Victory Investments, I think he nailed it. I think he's hundred percent correct. And that, uh, you know, it ain't going away. Uh, is there a bubble? That's a whole other discussion. We don't need to get into that right now. Before we kick off the show, uh, and I do want to welcome the people we have in the chat. We, we already got great viewership here tonight, Brian. Um, let's just very quick, not even very quickly, but uh, I'm going to put it up on screen right now. Pro Set is back. You acquired the Pro Set trademark. 
give us a quick story. What exactly did you acquire? How tough was it to acquire? Tell us the story and what are your plans? Well, for sure. I mean, it is, we acquired the, the, the trademark, the brand. Um, someone had owned it for 20 years, ever since ProSet went bankrupt, 25 years. Um, I first reached out to the gentleman in 2015 and it was a very brief exchange. It didn't go anywhere. But I really started chasing it in 2017 and the price was outrageous. And so I actually offered to license it, which he should have done. I offered to make ProSet cards to make his brand more valuable. And he did not want to license it, wanted to sell it or nothing. And the price was the price of more expensive than any home in America of, among us common people. You know, so I wasn't going to buy it at that point. So I, I kept pursuing him. Every six months, I'd send him an email. Hey, are you ready to do a deal? Oh, well, you know, no, no, no. And then finally, I hit him about four weeks ago. It's been that brief, four or five weeks. I hit him up and said, are you interested? He said, it's still for sale. And I said, I'm going to make you one offer. And I will never make another offer. I worked at ProSet. That was my first job in the industry, my first real job. And I said, to me, I want to have it as a souvenir. But I also want to use it as a brand. But I would love to own it because I've, I've worked hard. I want this as like a trophy because it was my first job. And so I said, I'm going to make you one offer. It's non-negotiable. If you don't accept it, I will never call you again. I will go buy another brand. I was bluffing. There's no other great brands to buy. I had to buy this brand no matter what the price was. But I said, this is my best and final. It's one offer. Take it or leave it. And if you say leave it, I will never, ever call you again. And he said, you know, I think that'll work. <laughs> so let me talk to my wife because she's the real boss. And we'll talk tomorrow. He called me on the next day, which was a Thursday. said, we have a deal. Signed the contract, wired the money on Friday, and I owned the brand on Monday when it transferred. So it closed in three or four days. It was super fast and easy. But I knew that that brand, we're in this what's old is new again world. And the and the nostalgia has taken over and, and caught fire in the industry. And like to me, that's what we were thinking about when we first did Leaf in 2010. We realized that that nostalgia, you can't put a price on that. But like Leaf was a good one. Pro set is an epic one because way more people know the brand pro set way more people. I mean, it, it was the, it was the, the, I, I like to say the upper deck was kind of the upper deck of baseball changing the game. Pro set was the game changer in football. It create it was, it, it just coincided with the birth of football cards as a mainstream collectible. So like all the planets were aligned for it to be a brand that everyone would know. And when we brought it back, the love for that has been in freaking sane. I mean, I've never had this many emails, people saying, oh, my golly, Brian, you did it, you know, or you guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you for bringing back ProSet. And the proof's in the pudding. We're starting to sell some cards and the numbers are staggering. Great. Cool. So, so what was the was the brand just dormant for the last 30 years? What was what was this gentleman who had it? What was he doing with the brand? Well, he was he was he was kind of squatting on it. But, um, you know, what he did do. It was very smart. You know, with a trademark, to keep it yours, you have to use it. So no one really knows this, and there may even be an investment opportunity here. He was making cards of birds in nature and posters of birds in nature using the ProSet mark. And they're very hard to get. He sold them on his website for like $19.99 a set. I don't know if anyone ever ordered one, but the fact that he made it kept the, you know, it kept the trademark active. And he's very good. I mean, this guy understands trademark acquisition and usage and all that because i even looked at how to take it away at one point and i couldn't but uh 
But I mean, I, I honestly thought about going and buying some of his burden nature cards just because you never know. I mean, in this world, who knows what people will buy? But uh, so who knows? But yeah, that's all he did with it was just keep the trademark alive. So someday a sucker like me would come by and pay huge money and uh, make his year. So obviously pro set is best remembered for hockey cards and football cards. You know, the, the Rocky, the rocket Ishmael card was huge back when it first came out. And then of course the, the hockey set is known for all the errors and the huge set and that. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so what, what are your, you say you've sold a bunch of cards. What are the, what are the plans that you have for it in terms of, uh, you know, structure, format, uh, quantity, player selection? What are the plans? Uh, right now, we're, we're taking a couple of approaches here. The first thing is we wanted to get some cards out there right away. So you will see limited edition cards in a print-to-order. Think Tops Now or Leaf Eye Card or whatever you want to call Panini Instant. Same concept. We take orders for 10 days, however many we sell, how many we make. We started with Trevor Lawrence, the number, who will be the number one draft pick this year for the Jaguars. And we sold 57,111 cards, which is as big as, I mean, that blows anything Tops Now away. Minus Bernie Sanders and Dr. Fauci. No yeah. athlete on a Tom's Now card has sold 57,000 copies. So that was amazing. Then we also offered autographs of Trevor Lawrence and some other players. We sold Trevor Lawrence at $750 a piece, and we made 99 of them. And they sold out in one minute and 20 seconds <laughs> Friday. So, like, we're finding that the love for this is insane. So that's part one is the on-demand cards. If we want to get something out there right now, because when people heard we bought it, they did not want to wait to like wait four months for some product. They want to get a taste of it right now. So we're doing that. Part two will be packaged products like you're accustomed, accustomed to. We'll bring a football product to market this year, Pro Set Metal, which will be priced as a premium priced item. The, the days of Pro Set being a discount or low end brand, those are pretty much over. So the wax products will be positioned higher than our traditional metal products. In football, in hockey, we're still trying to think about that because I think there's an opportunity to do something really unique in hockey, but we're just trying to tweak the right formula. Because again, as we've talked about every time I've been on, it took us a little while, but we now understand the hockey collector in a much more profound way than we did when we came into the market. And so we know that there's going to be a different opportunity there than football. So we're discussing what that looks like. And then the third last part will be, you'll see it in a buyback. Form. You'll see a product like a recollection collection or an archives things, whatever it is, where we go back and buy all the old great pro set cards and have them signed and numbered by hand, you know, in a buyback time product. And I wouldn't be shocked to see entertainment names or MTV raps guys or soccer players or golfers from all the other little mermaid beauty and the beast. We could have stars from those movies signed buyback cards. It could be anything, maybe desert storm. Maybe we get a few people from Desert Storm to do buyback cards. So, I mean, we're going to come up with a few different ways to tackle it. But I think what we wanted to is we want to appreciate the things that people loved about ProSet and not lose those and not lose sight of those in reinventing the brand. You know, bring those with us when we reinvent, just modernize, you know, just yeah. modernize what was great before to make it even greater. You mentioned YoMTV Raps. Uh, ProSet also did a brand in the early 1990 or 91 called... Uh, Superstars. It was another music set that music? was loaded with all the legends of music. Everybody's in it. I actually have a box of it behind me. I, I opened. I bought a box of it at Eastridge last weekend, and I opened several packs of it during my after-hours show last Saturday. And you know, you're pulling Bob Marley, Bob Dylan, 
uh, Motley Crue, all these different. And then you had like your Taylor Danes and your MC Hammer. You got some different people thrown in there, you know. Uh, you know, Tiffany, you know, you'll find some different people. Lita Ford. So all yeah. kinds of names. See, I love that. Same See, that, that was the era. That was the era where people just, again, non-sport cards. ProSet helped to bring back the non-sport collector. Yeah. Because the non-sport collector was really left without a whole lot of products for a number of years there. And most of the stuff Tops made was overproduced. ProSet really helped to reinvent that category with the Disney movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Good stuff. So, I mean, obviously, we're going to be talking about what's going on in the hobby in the last little while. There's been a lot. And uh, Brian Gray and Leaf acquiring the ProSet brand is at the top of that list. So, uh, I wanted to talk about that, get it out awesome. of the way because, I, you know, sort of a plug, but let's, uh, let's do that. So, let's get to the comments. Let's see who we have. We got Amit at Cardboard Cultures here with us. Seven minutes early even. Good evening, Amit. Jeff McMahon in the house. Good evening, Terry Fortune, who is currently winning the Sports Cards Live Yahoo Fantasy Hockey Draft, is in the house. We got Yannick. We got Mike Truman. B-Roy, good evening to you. Dennis is here with us. We got Ryan O'Hara. We got Matt Fourteen in the house. His favorite guest, Brian Gray. Hobby legend and icon, Rich Klein is with us. As always, Rich, good to see you. Actually, I want to call out Hobby Hotline, the other YouTube, another YouTube channel where Rich Klein and Dr. James Beckett we're hosting this morning with uh, John Newman of Sports Card Nation, Brian Gray, myself. We also uh, have monthly appearances on the show. Check it out, Hobby Hotline. Give them a subscribe, a thumbs up, and all that. Josh Packham in the house. Good evening. Wants to hear what inning. Well, we talked about that already. Good stuff, Yannick. Yeah, the Golden Auction is going off tonight. Lots of I heard I I heard earlier today the, uh, the it was referred to as Compa Palooza because a lot of new comps are going to be set tonight by Ken Golden and everything he has going on. We're going to talk about Golden Auctions a little bit later. David G, good evening to you. Yeah, and I got to ask the audience tonight, guys. I'm in here doing the show. I can't watch my Flames, who thankfully have a new coach, hopefully beat up on McDavid and the Oilers tonight. So if someone could keep me apprised of the score in the comments, I'd greatly appreciate it. Daniel, my man, how are you doing? We got Frank in the house. Good to have you. Jason Pringle. Can I take my, yeah, Jason Pringle's a chef in Banff, Alberta. Good to see you, Jay. Al G in the house. Good evening. My man, Sam Genova. We are doing well. Latrell Sprewell in the house. Ryan yeah. says, go flame. Yeah, we, we are hoping McDavid doesn't light us up for six points again. He did that last week. Teo Hang, good evening to you. Mr. Kingsley Lowell in the house. We got pastime. We got Rocco. Yeah, the guru is on tonight. That's UBG, the guru. Oh, the guru. We got Sandro, hockey, hockey. Yes, bringing the cowbell tonight. Bringing the cowbell tonight. Chad, good evening. Steve Elmore, good evening. Colin Murray, good evening. AZ, good evening. Super bad. Guys, we got great, great people in the house. And so many new people, guys. Just let you know, we do this every Saturday night. We bring on the best guests of any show in the hobby. Pretty certain of that by now. I got to think if I could toot my own horn a little bit. Uh, and hey, the evidence is right there. It's his, uh, I think this is your fourth time on the show now, BG, but you always bring it. You always bring it. The, the, the viewers are always super excited to have you. What do we have here? SRV Jr. says, Evening, Mr. Gray. Huge Leaf fan. Love your baseball products. Keep up the great work. Can't wait for this year's Trinity. There you go. Steve says, All collectibles are hot, not just sports cards. Take talk and starting lineup. Anyone want to challenge me? We're not going to challenge you. Everything, everything that's, that's mm -hmm. nostalgic is hot right now. I totally, totally hear you. Justin Kelly mentions Top Shot. We do have that on the agenda for tonight. Eric, good evening. 
Anonymous Facebook user calls Brian Gray a legend. Can't disagree with that. My man Dustin from the Personal Finance Dad YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, check out his channel. One of my favorites. One of my Lowell's purchased some Pro Set. Arrives Tuesday. Steve Menzi in the house. Steve owns and runs this sports card expo in Toronto and the virtual. Stay tuned for what he has planned for the rest of the year, guys. More top shot talk here. PSA Slab Guy, welcome to the show. Mike Truman says the Pro Set brand is in good hands. Fowl Fiveball wants to know, is any Pro Set baseball coming, Brian? Yep, first card will be out. Probably, we have a little surprise coming. So probably a few few weeks, you'll see the first Pro Set baseball card. Right on. There you go, Fowl Fiveball. Brian Kingsley says Chrome Pro Set. So you kind of alluded to something, uh, maybe something a little bit shiny coming up, no? Yep, 100%. A metal Pro Set is the plan for football. Right on. Okay, here's a question from Ryan O'Hara. Uh, we'll get to it right now. He wants to know, are, are you buying up the uh, the PSA 10 Opeachy Premier Jaggers BG, and what are your thoughts on, on that card and junk wax moving forward? I mean, listen, if you, if you look at my Twitter account, at Leaf CEO, if you look at that account over time, if you look at the things I've recommended – most of those ideas have come to pass and turned out to be good ideas, like almost any idea, but I like to think mine were especially good. Yager was one of my ideas a long time ago. I think I even told you on the show one time that I, I mean, I loved when I was scarfing those up under a hundred bucks, then it was under 200 and now it's more, you know, I think we're getting to a point where it's probably seen some nice appreciation. I would be the guy right now who's probably buying most of the cards that close on things like Bork coffee, like tier two Hall of Famers, because I still think, especially that 80, 81, 81, 82, like that stuff really hasn't gone up as much as some of the other iconic cards, like Waz and Lemuse. And I think there's still some, I still, still think there's some room there. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been scarfing up some of those, but yeah, I've got a few Yonkers. I've, I've, I've pigeonholed a few. I just think there's great value. And honestly, if that moves out of your range, there's plenty of other. I've, I've been buying 91, 92 Solani PSA 10s upper deck. I've been buying, um, I've actually bought some Madonna PSA 10 premieres because they're still cheap. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many great buys still. Yeah. And that's just hockey. Then multiply that by seven sports. It, there's, it's just great. Even yeah. in a market, people think it's frothy. There's too many good buys. I'm with you. So B Roy says the pro set. Stanley Cup hologram, the sequel. Have you the guys sequel. thought about something like that yet, or you want to keep it under wraps? If I you don't have. think the NHL is going to let us use the Stanley Cup, but we have some very cool ideas for things that could end up on holograms that I think people will be pleased with. But yeah, we're going to do a hologram for sure. We've got to. That's part of the legacy. It is. To me, it's the best card they ever made was that Stanley Cup hologram of, of all time. So I do love Santa Claus, the old Santa Claus cards, and we've already come up with ideas for Santa Claus. It's going to be well, fun. That'll make Rocco happy. He says right there, let's bring back Santa Claus. For Santa's sure. coming back to town. That's for coming sure. back. There you go, Rocco. You ask, you get the answer you want. Personal Finance Dustin says, 89 Pro Set Football is life. Yep, agreed. All the nostalgia. <laughs> hockey Hockey says, Pro Set Hockey is the best version of Pro Set. Sure, I mean, it, you know, if you like errors, and again, I don't know if we, we know for sure if those were done deliberately or not, but that thing is just rife full of errors. Oh, what do you know about I that? My production team loves it because they're like, we can just take off now. We can screw things up. We can work <laughs> fast. If we screw it up, people think we made an error on purpose. But we're, we're going to create some variations and errors on purpose. Even on the Trevor Lawrence we did, we did a reverse negative. 
which is ultra tough, like under 2% of the production is the reverse negative version. And so we'll make some, we'll make some errors on purpose, but let's just hope we don't add to those on purposes with sloppiness. Right. We'd like to do it correctly, but it's great when a brand allows you to do whatever you want and get away with it almost, you know? As long as they're deliberate, right? Uh, yeah. Are, are you aware, Yamax brings up uh, the, the egg card. Are you, do you, are you aware of what's going on with this uh, Allen and Ginter egg card movement that's happening right now? I don't know. I mean, this, this to me is like GameStop. Like people just take cards and make them worth something just because you can. Like the crypto card, at least the crypto card in Allen and Ginter represents a movement of epic proportions. And I kind of understand that. The stupid egg I don't get. I mean, I don't know. Well, but we all... We all come from eggs. We all come from eggs, though, BJ. The human the human race is a pretty big movement, too. We are from an egg. We are eggish, that's for sure. Although we don't think of it in that traditional egg sense. True. But um, and they definitely don't want to show the other kind of eggs. But um, but I just think I, I just think you can make. I think anything can go up nowadays. And I think, sure, if GameStop can be run up to five hundred dollars, the egg can be a hundred. Well, people are probably wondering what we're talking about. If you're not aware, this is a movement. I believe it was started on the new Clubhouse app. There's some people that were having some fun with it, but it's actually, they're doing a good thing with it. They're actually somehow driving up the price just by bringing attention to it. And apparently the reason why the egg even has a card, and it's literally a card with a picture of an egg on it. The reason why it's done is because the egg was the most viewed or the most liked picture posted on Instagram of all time. So tops alan and ginter made a card out of it and now these people on clubhouse and again i believe it's clubhouse where it originated they're actually trying to they're they're they're, they're manipulating the price of the card but as they sell it they're going to use the money for good things for charitable causes so it's actually a noble effort i believe but i'm not going to claim to know exactly what's going on but that's sort of my my high level understanding so okay if you're and if you're not aware of that i you know Check, look into it if you want. If you are, I hope I did the uh, the whole cause some justice there. <laughs> uh, Brian Kingsley says, just throw a bunch of money at it, BG. I think he's talking about pro set. Matt Chang says, bring back the the pro set hologram with other trophies. Don't redo the Stanley Cup. Well, as Brian mentioned, he may not be able to even do those at all. But uh, Josh says, how about pro set platinum instead of pro set metal? Pro set did a platinum brand back in the day. Well, see, we have we have a platinum in our mind for the future. That's ultra high end, which is, I mean, again, like what the hobby needs more is more ultra high end just to keep pricing people out. But we're talking about doing something with platinum bars in it. I mean, there's a whole new way to reinvent the platinum brand at a high end level, I think. And we're looking at that. We just don't want to rush it. Let's take one foot before the other and then eventually we'll be running. Yeah. MSC, good evening to you. Kelly Winters, good evening to you. Bobby Baseball says, next stop for Brian, purchase tops. <laughs> I think I think they're going to go public. That's what I hear through the grapevine. We'll see if that's true. But I think they're going to get a billion. I think they're going to get one billion or more if they go public. That's yeah. a big number, one billion. I'll buy it. I'll buy more we like it. We like hearing one billion because that means that means we're 50 or 70 million instead of 40 or 50 million. We like that. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Kurt Renault, good evening to you. Glad you're enjoying the show. We got AZ Brothers Sports Cards, the card collector. Whoop, lost my, well, we got lots of comments rolling, everybody. Uh, Evan Thomas, are my vintage 10 cent pro set discount cards still valid? That's hilarious. Uh, when I was opening up the music cards last week, I've got a stack of these 10 cent uh, coupon cards, and they're good for the uh, the pro set Gazette website or something like that, which is 
uh, probably not around anymore. Any, any? Have you thought about bringing back the Gazette? I don't know. We haven't really talked about that, but I might. Now you're getting me to think maybe I'll do something with those ten cent discount cards as a redemption program. There that would be kind of cool, just to give an homage. If you do, Evan Thomas can take some credit for that. Hey, good idea. Time. I'm thinking about that now. That's interesting. There you go. There you go. Uh, BT Sports Cards, great to have you. Teo Hang says, I've been analyzing all the non-PSA grading companies all day trying to figure out where I'm sending middle to low end. You know what? Let's let's leapfrog off of that comment right there because I wanted to talk about the PSA price increases that were announced in early, you know, just earlier this week or beginning of the month. And what, what does it mean for the low to mid-end cards that are now at this time, maybe not worth it in terms of the, the the price to grade to send to PSA. You know, you have a card that might be worth $20 raw, 100 in a PSA 10, maybe 60 in a PSA 9. Are you going to, you're not going to get this card graded. What, where does your mind go when you think about that? Well, first, I mean, listen, I know PSA got a lot of, a lot of crap for it, really. But I think it was a necessary change. Um, honestly, this is very unpopular opinion. I think they were nice in the increase. I believe the increase should have probably been 25 and 30 instead of 20 and 25 for the for the value service. Um, and it's just someone the other day told me the backlog is indeed in excess of 5 million cards. And if that's true, there's no way to ever unwind unless there's a substantial change in how this works. Um, I think the pricing might help a little bit. But now I will tell you that we were, me and my team were frantically entering invoices up until midnight on the 28th because we had like 4,000 cheap Jordans we just sent in that are, that are probably $5 and less Jordan cards that are all going to be, I mean, I think we probably have 70, 80% 10s, 20, 30% 9s just because there everything is. But like we had to hurry up and get those in because I really wanted to pay a low price instead of what I thought was going to be 20 or 25 and it turned out to be. Um, but, you know, I, honestly, I think you're going to be shocked how many people will keep sending in that stuff. We'll keep sending in $20 cards and just pay 20 now. You've just got a price in your business model. It's going to take 12 to 18 months to get your stuff back. But if you send an order in every three days, then 12 months from now, you're going to start getting an order in every three days. It's going to be great. Yeah. But you just got to change. We got to pivot. It's like anything else. We just got to pivot, say, how are we going to do it? And I'll tell you what, I can see like on prison basketball that's coming out, the new set. I can see the pops on like rookies number seven through whatever. I can see those pops being really low. Because I do think there'll be a lot of people who don't want to send in a $3 raw rookie and pay 20 So those in PSA 10s, you might actually see them bring $60, $80 just because there won't be any. Yeah. It's going to change the pop on new stuff. And on the old stuff, I mean, are people really going to – see, I still think people are going to submit cheap trouts, cheap Jordans. I think people will keep submitting them. It just won't be everybody. It'll be the more astute guys. Maybe more of the gambler type guys that are willing to lose the 20 bucks of it. But see, even a Jordan, you send a $5 Jordan in if you have a decent eye. If it comes back a nine, you get 40. So you still make money if it comes back a nine. If it comes back a 10, you get 100 or 200, 150, whatever it is. That's a good value proposition still, even at 20. Yeah. So it's just going to be pivot, figure out what your risk tolerance is, your patience, which no one has, obviously. And we'll go from there. But I think it was a necessary move for sure. And I actually thought they could have gone up more and gotten away with it. Or they could have gotten away with it anyway, because we're all going to just pay it anyways. 
I've seen and I've heard people say that uh, they thought it should have gone higher. Just let you know, you, you said it's an unpopular opinion. You said that you know they've taken a lot, of, they've taken a lot of flack for it. But I've seen a lot. I've seen, you're not the only one who's praised them in raising the prices because it is going to, or it it should you know theoretically reduce the number of low end cards, which should theoretically make the better cards be able to work their way through the process uh, quicker. You know. That's I saw a couple uh, Gretzky 90s inserts sell today, PSA 9s. They both sold for under $30 US. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you're not going to, the pop isn't going to go up on these anymore. No, I don't, I don't think people are going to be submitting cards that are going to sell for less than $30 in a nine because it's just that value proposition doesn't work. So is that not a bargain right now, considering the pop is pretty much locked where it is until the prices go up enough? where it incentivizes people to send them in again. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I would say first, I would say people will keep sending them in because we're addicts now and we've gotten, we don't know a world without grading anymore. We're never going back. But BG. Like, there's a couple of big dealers I talked to who are like, how can I make money in this new model? And they're smart guys. They just get all panicked about it. And I'm like, I guess you could buy and sell raw Devontae Graham prisms for $4 each instead of dealing in PSA 10s for 40 or 50 or 60. And then I was like, I don't deal in $4 cards. I said, well, if you don't keep grading, you are going to be dealing in $4 cards because there's going to be distinct markets, raw and graded. And I think some guys are just going to start dealing in raw. And I think, I mean, again, I think, I, yes, it's, yes, it can be a bargain, some of those cards, I think for sure. Like I would be a big fan of buying like PSA nines of Boggs and, you know, these Hall of Fame guys buying rookie cards and PSA nines that are 30 and $40. Like I just, those cards are going to remain desirable. And I think they'll be 50 or 60 just by accident, which again, that's the beauty of this business. You don't have to buy multi-thousand dollar cards to make money. But you can make you, money on $10 cards, $15 cards, $30 cards. So do you do you think, Brian, do you think that because PSA's prices are, are higher now than ever before, that people are going to start searching out a new grading company or an alternative grading company to send those cards to whereby down the road, you're going to, you're going to know that, you know, high-end cards, ex valuable cards, $200 value and up cards are going to be basically PSA. And then anything lower is going to be in another slab. And, you know, I, I, I won't even say Beckett there, but you've got the, those second tier companies like the SGCs, the CGs, the, the new ones, the HGAs, the CSGs. Do you think that, that the hobby is going to start looking to one of those alternative grading companies? And I only mean alternative because they're not PSA or, or Beckett grading. Uh, do you think the hobby is going to turn to those for some of the lower end cards? And if they do, will the, will the collector base and the investor base, will they accept that as worthy of their, of, of their dealings? Well, first and more importantly, goal flames. The flames have scored. <laughs> Johnny Hockey came through there. Nice. Um, so that's number one. That's the most important thing, isn't it? But well, um, <laughs> it's important. But you know, I wanna, no, I besides besides I that, um, I think the other companies. I think the way to look at this is if you're a PC guy and you want your card in a holder, because some guys just want their cards in holders. Honestly, I think there's a business in just putting them in plastic with no grade at all. Yeah. I actually think there's a business there. But um, I think for that purpose, these companies are all fine. I think the new holders are pretty nice. Some people like the color matching. Some don't on HGA. CSG, some people like the very stark white label. Some don't. 
you know, but, but I think where I struggle is these new companies are charging prices like they've been doing this for 25 years. They're not cheap. It's 30 or $40 a card for 30 day turnaround. And again, only a few years ago, gym grading or pro any company that could have popped up. ISA, anybody who had a slab machine popped up with some grading shenanigans and, and, you know, I mean, they charged $8. I mean, so these guys are charging a lot of money and the market has not priced in the increase yet. I mean, even SGC, which is the most legitimate of the competitors, hasn't really got the liquidity down that Beckett and then obviously PSA have. So I'm just cautious. Like I would not be putting any real big money into those companies. If you want something in a holder or you have a PC card and you want like you have a, you know, a Al McInnes card you want to send in and you want it to have the red and yellow and white at the top, you know, because you like the slab to match. Cool. Yeah. You know, but that's like that to me, that's like putting a pinstripe on your car. Doesn't make your car a classic car or highly valuable, or highly collectible, but it might look a little cooler. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but I, I think at this stage, PSA and Beckett are going to continue to dominate. The other guys are going to pick up scraps. I mean, the, the, the big two have opened the door for this. They really have. I mean, there's these companies are going to get they're going to make a whole bunch of money because there is such an appetite just to get your cards and holders. Yeah. I just hope that somehow PSA or Beckett at some point can find a way to have some value oriented service that turns stuff around a little faster. I don't know what that means. But there's got to be a way to, to speed up the process or do something. So that's what I would challenge the companies to do is to find some alternative to driving people to CSG, HGA, whatever. Yeah, I think I think I think both, you know, yeah, both got an opportunity here. They really do if they can find a way. But I mean, they have their own issues with turning stuff around. But they have an opportunity here if they can if they can find a way to, you know, to, to take back some of that market share that might be slipping. But honestly, PSA and Beckett have so many cards. People think, oh, they're in big trouble because of what they're – no. They're making so much money, all these grading companies. It's like being a card manufacturer. It's pretty sick right now. It's pretty so, sick. Couple, couple things, couple things, Brian. I'm going to wait for you to unfreeze. There you go. So first thing, you know, Ken Golden on his Instagram Live the other day, he said very state, very uh, factually said that he will not allow on his platform – any grading companies except for PSA, Beckett Grading Services, and SGC. He's not. He's not going to even take on S, uh, HGA, CSG, or or anyone else at this time. So, right there, that you know, that gives some credibility to the to the the big three, if you will, or PSA, Beckett, and C and uh, SGC. And I think that kind of in the short term could hurt the other two. But you mentioned, you know, what can PSA and Beckett do to uh, win back some of that market share. Well, the easy thing to me would be for them to acquire an HGA or a, no, I don't think they can acquire a CSG, but to acquire an HGA or someone that has the capacity, even an SGC, give them a, a, a bit of a different label, just change the label around and let let that be where all the bulk stuff goes, all the lower end stuff goes to that, to that uh, location sort of thing. Do you see something like that potentially happening? Yeah, I don't think the grading companies that are around now are going to be acquired. I really don't. Um, I think for for PSA to acquire one probably makes no sense because they're already at a scale where like acquiring one of them would be like literally picking a couple of pockets some pocket change up off the ground. Like I don't I don't think it's I think it's negligible. And I think Beckett's probably close to that where it's almost negligible. 
SGC would be the one that probably, but see, again, just like people are calling Leaf trying to buy Leaf, we're getting calls every day from big hedge funds and people that, that are that are looking at us. Without, I'm not allowed to say who, but there's a bunch. And if they're calling me, you know they're calling every grading company. They're calling Ultra Pro. They're calling. They're calling everyone who has a who has a, a stranglehold on any part of this business. They're calling everyone who's trying to buy us. So I mean, if someone ever buys SGC, it's probably going to go to someone outside the industry or in a fringe part of the industry. But I wouldn't count on any transactions in this space because it's too easy to make money right now. And the backlog. I mean, SGC is already backlogged horribly. Like. Can you imagine a world if I told you a year ago that SGC would have so many cards or that some startup that has matching color labels, like people are crying on Facebook because they can't submit cards because they didn't win the lottery that week? Are you kidding? Yeah. Like where, what world do we live in here? You know, it's, it's definitely some, I thought it was like a Twilight Zone episode or something because I don't understand it. But, you know, so with that being said, I think the companies are pretty in pretty good shape where they're at. Hopefully there'll be a disruption in some way from one of the big two to address, you know, the shortcomings in the market that need to be addressed. And they're they're both scaling up. So, you know, they, they can probably just and I think their goal or their, what they're trying to do right now, the initiative is to scale up themselves so they can, first of all, catch up and then get back to some sort of normalcy in terms of running their processes and accepting any and all submissions that come their way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to, uh, before we go on to the next topic, I just want to scan some of the comments at the bottom and see if anyone, uh, any comments about grading before we go all time grades blog. Victor says my strategy is to continue is to continue sending in cards every month, but instead of 10 to 20, I'm going to tone it down to five to 10. And yes, I will continue to send in lower end cards. And that makes sense to me because, you know, like me and many others, I'm sure we want uniformity in our collection. At least I do. I want that uniformity. I want to flip through my slabs and I want those slabs to, you know, to all be the same. And I air quote it because I do have cards and slabs from at least four different grading companies. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hear what Victor is saying. I think I think it makes sense to me. Uh, Amit says there's an appetite to have custom holders with your name on it. I can see people wanting to do that. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Adam says Beckett needs to overhaul their labels. The labels for eights or less are so gross. There is a ton of high value cards with low grades. The slabs shouldn't make them look cheap. I think that that's a fair point. If the slab makes your card look cheap, you might not want it in that slab. And yeah, I think the, uh, the their white label is um, certainly the the least attractive of, of the black, gold, and silver. So definitely makes sense to me. Uh, oh. Here we go. Peep says, speaking of golden, with 20 minutes left, the Topps Chrome Refractor is almost to one and a half million dollars. I believe that's the Kobe you're, refer you're referring to, Pete. Yeah, Kobe it is. There we go. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. Todd McDonald, thank you very much. Great show, BG. Great guest. Papa Pete says, SGC has no backlog apparently, but who knows? Yeah, um, I mean... Unless you're behind those doors, it's tough to really know what's going on, I guess. But uh, okay, um, I want to find. We had a comment here from Rich Klein, and I just want to bring it up because it's going to lead us into our next topic. Here it is. He says that Brian has mentioned he'll be setting up at Kyle's show next week. I know it's been a year or more since you last attended, Brian. In simplest terms, are you ready for what a show is today? And what do you are? Are you going to be at the Dallas show next weekend? Yes, I'm going to be there. Um, you know, I, I'm blessed that I've been vaccinated. 
I got both doses. So, I mean, I feel really great about that. Um, I honestly, I've been in to almost total seclusion for a year. I had not been into a store of any kind until this week for a year. No grocery store, no gas station, no nothing. But I finally went into a office max this week of all the random places I could have gone. But um, but yeah, so I'll be at the show. Um, I'm a little disappointed. Our governor here is taking away the mask mandate. So I'm hoping people will still wear masks. Um, anyone who wants to deal with me, I'll be asking them to wear a mask or I won't be able to deal with them. Just because I think there's a common courtesy. Now I've had the vaccine, but I could still carry whatever it is. So without getting into all those shenanigans, you know, I'm still going to ask people who want to buy or sell with me to wear a mask just as a courtesy. Hopefully they'll do that. If not, I'll put them on a leaf card making fun of them. But, um, <laughs> but no, so yeah, I'm doing the show. And I know the world's changed. I and mean, The great news is the rest of the world's kind of caught up to what I've been doing for years, which is running around shows with a ton of money and just you know, buying insane amounts of stuff. The difference is now we have 15 year old kids walking around with 50 grand yeah. buying insane amounts, which is fine because I pay the most because of what I do with it. I can pay a hundred percent of comps on a lot of stuff. Some stuff I like to pay cheaper, but you know, <laughs> I, I pay high enough. I'll be able to spend, I'm bringing a quarter million or more and I'll spend every penny. It's easy. I remember Brian, I remember being at the 2013 national in Cleveland and I was at a booth. This guy was selling slabs of, you know, the, the Iverson rookies, the Tim Duncan rookies, he had Jaggers, he had all that stuff. And, um, I got there and I picked, I bought an Iverson. I think I bought a Tim Duncan. And then you, you kind of pulled in beside me there at his booth at that time with your suitcase of cash. And you like cleaned out his showcase. You took basically everything. Do you, I, I'm not going to ask you, well, I will. Do you remember that? I, you probably oh, don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done that a lot of times, but you know, I mean, honestly, I've been such a bull on this market for so long. And I mean, I was I was an early person who preached it. And again, even a broken clock is right twice a day. But um, but I honestly believe that I believe this market was for real then. It was ready for a pop. We got our pop, and the balloon's not going to pop for a while. You know, we're still blowing up the balloon. And so, I mean, honestly, I think if people have the ammo and they're willing to price it correctly, I may have to dig into my PayPal account because a quarter million may not last long. But see, at a regional show like this, that's the thing. Dallas has become like the baby national for now with no national for certain yet. I mean, this a little show like this, you could take 50 grand in the old days and you'd be the king of the world. And like I said, half the showcases there have a quarter of a million worth of stuff in them. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got – because everybody's made money, you know? And so it's just it's – it'll be a different world from that standpoint. But I'm excited. I really am excited because I haven't been out there in so long. And honestly, I like to talk to collectors and stuff. And you'd be shocked how many times people just want to come up and talk because they know I love this. I'm not just like some business guy who just like runs a company because we can make a crap ton of money. I do like that too, but I really love this. And so they get to visit with me and they give ideas. And a few guys have even had their ideas turn into cardboard reality. So, you know, you never know, but I'm, but I love it and I can't wait. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if I want to keep going to these shows. If people are walking around with no masks, coughing on people, maybe not. Yeah. But you know, if it's normal, I'll be there and I'm pumped. You know, I'm very pumped about it. There you go, guys. If you're if you're fortunate enough to be there safe next week, and I'm jealous, I'd love to be there. Uh, Brian will be there, and uh, if you want to talk to him, put on your mask. And trust me, it's worth it to put on a mask if you get to talk to this guy. All right, Absolute Authentics, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Better late than never. 
For sure. Franco says it's official. The bubble's about to burst. Proset is back. Corey Carr, good evening to you. Absolute says the egg card is the new Jose Uribe. Which, which is first, the cards or the egg? Yeah, there's all sorts of jokes there. Mr. Davey, good evening. This guy will be joining me on an after hours episode. I believe we arranged for March the 27th, I think. So excited to have you, Dave, on the show at that point in time. Colin Murray says, will the value of raw cards go up because of the price of grading going up? Can you, that's a great question. BG, can you speak to that question directly? I think raw cards, here's the thing. Raw cards should be way more interesting because now it's probably worth looking at raw stuff to see if you can cherry pick it. But like there was a time in the three months or six months ago where there's no need to even look at a stack of prism if you walk up to a guy's table. Because everybody grades and everybody cherries everything. But now with grading going up, I think you'll find some guys that have raw laying around that, you know, frankly, may be gradable. They just didn't grade it because it's too cheap. You may see that again. The ironic part is I think raw gets cheaper. I actually think it gets cheaper because I just think so many guys now are not even thinking about submitting some of this raw stuff because they can't take a chance. Yeah. But if it's cheaper, you take a chance. So I actually think oh, this is going to hurt the market a little bit. Just because I think it's going to continue to raise prices and stuff that's already a touch bit frothy. And I think the stuff that's tweeners is going to get massacred. Yeah. And it's basically cheap rookies. Like cards that are going to come back, like Tony Gwynn rookies that are going to come back in eight are going to be worth dog crap. Because no one's going to send a card in to get an eight on a Tony. It might be an eight on Tony Gwynn. They would now. because it's gone up. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the raw version will be worth a little, but the PSA 8 might be worth more than ever because – there's not going to be many more of them being produced or, or slabbed in that grade because it's just not worth it to do it. So does that drive up the price of those, which then may be incentive? I don't know. I think we already covered that. but That's on my list. I'll tell you, this week I'm going to be going out buying a ton of PSA 9s and, and even BGS 9s of some of these iconic cards that are not expensive cards. Because i got to be honest, Stadium Shack rookies in a PSA 9, I think I'd buy a thousand of them at fifty or sixty bucks. I think I would buy a thousand of them because I just think that card—you're not going to see a bunch of those cards popping at this stage. People may quit sending them in, and I think those cards have room to grow long term. I think they could be a hundred bucks, hundred and a quarter, very easily. Yeah. All right. Uh, Az says the increase I feel will change the industry dynamics and correct the lazy correct the lazy flippers. All right, Amish Dave Archer, welcome to the show, everybody. Check out Amish Dave Archer's YouTube channel, and uh, also a big unit says uh, nice shirt to you, BG. So let's let's move. Oh, Corey Carr says I saw those Gretzky insert. Yeah, they went too cheap, right? So let's. Um, Let's stop talking about cheap cards for a second, Brian. Let's talk about some very expensive cards. We saw some big sales this last week here. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, contenders rookie autograph. I believe it was a, a BGS 8 with a 10 auto sold for one. And I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong on the grade. Sold for $1.3 million. And then there was a bit of an online scandal because PWCC, who brokered the deal, showed a different copy of the card on their on their promo and did you hear about that and even what yeah, do you what, think of, what, what do you i think heard of, what i yeah, heard is protect the anonymity of the card or whatever it was they mixed they they took a label they actually did photoshopping they took a label off another one and put it on the card that's why the autograph doesn't match i'm a brady fan so i actually pay attention to this one but i but i think it was an innocent i think it was an innocent just not to 
I think I think they were just trying. I think they were more mocking up something to show instead of pulling the card. I don't know what the exact logic was for it, but I don't think it was a nefarious, like a fake sale. I believe the sale's real. The sale's real, and honestly, Brady's the greatest, as evidenced by the shirt. His old days. I got a Buck shirt in the other room, but um, but you know he. He's the greatest, and, and he's got to have a car that's in the same class as all these other million-dollar cats, right? This is it. Okay, so I'm. that's a big – like the last time that car – not the last time, but I remember when we had the – when Nat Turner bought the the PMG Green Michael Jordan, the PSA authentic copy for like 350000 two years ago now. 19, yeah, spring of 19. Uh, like a week or two later, a Brady contender sold for I think $400,000. I don't know if it was the exact. I know there's a couple versions. There's the one out of a uh, hundred or five hundred. Then there's the unnumbered one. The one that you know that card in two years has gone from say four hundred thousand to one point three million dollars. Um, any sort of comment on that, or is that just you know in line with what we've been seeing in the last uh, 12, 12 to fifteen months? Yeah, honestly, it's if, if you look at it, a lot of stuff's gone up way more than that. I mean, way more. PSA team Griffey's were it wasn't that long ago they were a thousand bucks now they're four or five thousand so I mean that's four or five times ten times whatever it is it's possible happens all the time now I mean it really does it happens all the time I mean Montana yeah. PSA tens were they were ten thousand not that long ago and now there's fifty or seventy or whatever they are it's insane yeah nothing shocks me anymore. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk. I'm gonna put up one comment quick, and then we're gonna talk about another card sale that happened this past week, which is you know uh, about four times the amount of the Brady. But first, Just Inventory says, and I like this comment. My favorite interview of the week has become your show and the after hours when the networks come to pick you up. Will you promise to keep a show like this? Love the interaction with the guest viewers. Yes, I promise I will do that. Just Inventory when the networks pick me up for sure, for sure. So let's talk now about the uh, Luca Logo Man one of one that sold for four point six million dollars, I believe it was. What you, what's your take on that sale, Brian? I call BS on this one. I don't think it's legit. Um, I mean, honestly, how many transactions is like people show the check and all? I mean, yes, I did do it once when I bought the Strasburg Super Fractor for an obscene twenty one thousand dollars. That was I you. Actually, you bought that? I bought it the first time. Well, a guy bought it on eBay for seventeen thousand. I paid him twenty one or twenty two thousand. We went to the Beckett offices where I made the transaction, and we actually did show the check because back then twenty one grand for that card was obscene. But like we're in a different world now. I just there's no world under which that card is worth four million dollars. I think I, I find it highly questionable, and it happened on his birthday. So like this really astute buyer who had four million dollars laying around said, "Hey." Let's wait and buy it on his birthday. Makes no sense to me. Sounds like just someone trying to get it. And honestly, guess what? The guy who bought it, if he's a friend of the guy who sold it, they've now made people believe this card's 4.6 million, which means maybe it's 2 million or 3 million if it comes up for sale again. Whereas maybe the card's 500,000 to a million for real. It's a great strategy on a true one on one. Have everyone believe it sold for a record amount, so next time it comes, it can sell for half that, and it's still they're better off. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it smells. It doesn't pass the smell test for me. It doesn't yeah, pass the smell test. I don't believe it's real, but maybe it is. People are nuts. I mean, so maybe it's real, but I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have really an opinion on on the validity of the sale itself, but I did see the post on Instagram with the uh, you know the guy sitting at the table, the 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 check itself. 
I've heard a lot of criticism of that. Not not criticism, but questioning again the validity. Did it really go go through, or is this just these guys trying to pump up the value of the card? And if so, it's probably going to work, and it'll it'll drag some things with it too, most likely. So you know, though, these are the things in the hobby. I think the best we can do as as being hobby participants is be aware, be you know, have some. I call it, you know, professional skepticism on on some of these things, but uh, but you know, we we still don't have all the facts. We we really don't know, so we can only have opinions, and um, most of them are going to be wrong. Is likely the just the fact of the of the matter there. So, uh, okay, uh, Chris Carter says getting on late. Not sure if it's been asked, but is there anything we can do to push Com C to get better other than stop buying? I mean, they just got to catch up, and I'm sure they will. We've got Rich Klein in the audience who works at Com C. And uh, you know, got a lot of smart people working at that company. I I have faith that uh, they will catch up. Brian, do you know anything, anything about anything going on at ComC? I I don't know what's going on, but I'll tell you, I mean, it's really too bad because I think Tim and that team, from a technology standpoint, has done phenomenal. And what they built is phenomenal. Honestly, it makes me want to puke when I see that if you want your card before six months from now, you got to pay eighty dollars to get a shipment sent. Otherwise, I tell you, deliveries in like six months. Yet they sell stuff on eBay and you get those orders the next week. Like, oh, they're even slow shipping eBay, but like those orders you get 10 days later. But the stuff people pay to list on your site, that's six months. Like, I, I struggle with that, but I think their heart's in the right place. Good guys, great technology, good team. They've got to improve it, though. They really do. I think they have to improve it because that's that's what hurts the hobby. Is like when we become the grading part is hurting us, the la lack of efficiency and turning stuff around. That's hurting us. Yeah. Places like ComC where you put stuff up for sale, if, if people can't get cards reasonably quick without paying a dollar a card to ship them, like that's that's the whole count that's counterproductive. And again, any one of these things is okay, but it's just all these things piled up together can really impair liquidity and could be short-term little bumps along the way, you know. I think I think you're right. That that it's the liquidity piece that really bothers people. They just can't get their cards in hand quick enough to do whatever it is they want to do with them. After, I also agree. You know, Tim and the and the people I know at ComC, they're some Great of the finest guys. folks I've ever met in the hobby, and I know their hearts in the right place. And because of that, uh, because of that personal connection I have, I'm willing to cut them some slack and be I, patient. I actually admire Tim, and like I don't just go around admiring people. I actually think he's a smart dude. Oh yeah, and a good guy, you know, and that's the thing. So I'm, so I, I have confidence that, you know, they'll get it figured out. But I hope they hurry because really it, it is not a good thing for the side. I think they've got to speed it up. But he's a great guy, and I root for him. I tell you, if they ever want free consulting, they can call me. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of people are going to be lucky enough to go to a card show next weekend in Dallas. Again, play safe there. But uh, Amit from Cardboard Culture says, I miss Brian's intense gaze into showcases searching for cards to buy. He's talking about at the Expo in Toronto. You look up every now and then to say hello. We'll be nice to see you at the Expo. And calls out Steve Menzi, who has a comment right here. He says, let's hope the promoter requires masks at Dallas. I wonder if they will. I, I'm curious. I don't to know. To we're, we're pretty Republican down here, so I'm not counting on it. But but I'll tell you, it's, it, I hope people do. Because we don't want to risk the we don't want to risk not having these shows. Exactly. We're the yeah. best show in the country right now. It is. It's the center of the hobby right now in terms of physical uh, venues. So yeah, well, probably the only one really, except for some LC the LCSs that are still open but are at low capacity. Axonite says, uh, "Good evening." The, the grading price increase could drive the the wax prices down. He's 
crossing his fingers on that. And I understand the 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 thought there, Brian. It's like, am I going to spend two grand on a box of this or a thousand on a box of that if I'm going to have to now add in a hundred bucks a card for the ones that could be valued high? Like, and the risk that you don't get those good grades. Respond. I think the bigger risk for Wax is that the breakers, the the break customers, will have exhaustion at some point because the Wax prices are so high. You know. If you're a customer of breaks on a nightly basis, you must have an appetite for risk because it's risky now. And so I think that exhaustion is something I fear far more than grading issues because most of these new products, they're not being driven by grading. What I think is comes into question is like Topps flagship in baseball, like these new rookies out of 2021 Topps baseball. Like, what do you do with them? You can't grade them. So you're just going to buy and sell them in 50 count bricks for now? You know, that's I don't know. Very, but people were grading this stuff heavily before. That's very nineties ish. The the fifty hundred count stacks that that's uh, uh that harkens back to the uh, the yeah, early nineties. You love what's old is new again. So maybe yeah. so. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aloha, Roy G. Great to see it. I like this comment from David Cook. BG is the goat. What other owner gives us this access? What other card company owner for sure? David, astute comment for sure. Um, okay. Any updates on the, on the flames Oilers game guys, if anyone has one of those for me, I'd love to hear it. Uh, fire sports card says, listen, if you believe that Luca sale is real, I have a bridge. I want to sell you. Okay. Fair. Com- I mean, Hey, fair, fair comment. We just don't know. And I'm not saying either way myself. Uh, Rich Klein says this, Tim just had a company meeting. So Tim is the, uh, the CEO of ComC had a company meeting to discuss the shipping issues and without doing details, he is working nearly 24 seven to fix those issues. That's great to hear. And of course not disclosing detail. Thank you, Rich for pi- So everyone, if you don't know, Rich Klein has been working at ComC for, I don't know exactly how long, but like coming up on 10 years, I think. So we're getting good information there. It's nice to know that the, uh, the CEO of the company is, is on that right now. Uh, Jordan Hagedorn, good evening to you. Great to see you on Tuesday. Jordan says, I hit up three card shops in Minnesota today. What things do you think? What things do you guys think make a great card shop? Well, that you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to put that to you, Brian, because you deal with card shops in selling product. Uh, want to take a stab at this? Well, and I've owned card shops. Actually, Rich Klein was a manager at one of my stores one time. I bet you <laughs> didn't know that. So, but so yeah, we've owned stores before. I think honestly, for me, the key thing is that a store has to find a way to add value to the consumer because the store can never compete on price. He probably can't compete on selection because the, the online retailers are going to beat him every time on both those fronts. The better capitalized, cheaper pricing, less overhead, whatever. I think if they can add value by creating an experience, to me, it's all experience. That's the only reason I ever, now during COVID, I would walk into a card store. But pre-COVID, I would go into stores because there are certain stores that have an experience. Where when you go in there, there's a banter and interaction, a cheers feel. Some stores even have couches and you sit down and you hang out and, you know, the TVs are going, whatever it is, you know. And I think, honestly, I think stores have to continue to focus on being experiential, relationship building. But then... Think of the one thing these online internet retailers don't do well. And only a few do, like Robert Burbank. He has figured out how to do singles well. But I think stores that focus on single cards and how to captivate their customers by having the best selection, whether it's local or like when we had a store in the, the old Edgeman store we had, JW, 
we had a time where we had every modern rookie card in stock. This was like late 90s. So we had every rookie from 1952 to present. We considered that like the modern era of cards overall. 52 to present, we had every single rookie card in our store every day. So you want a Namong Green 1998 Leaf rookie and star? We had it. We might be expensive on it. We had every rookie card, and that would be our number one focus. So, again, you find ways to make your store have an identity, but it's most important, experiential, relationship building. And I think stores are starting to figure that out. They really are. I think I think one of the best things you can do is is make it welcoming to your customers so they want to come and hang out. I, I don't I've been in card shops where they don't want you there. They want you in, spend your money yeah. and leave. Right. That's not going to that's not going to build loyalty and long-term customers, no. I don't think. I think you want to, you know, the guys I've seen I uh, saw some videos from the Cards and Coffee shop in LA where they've got, you know, uh, Dan Fleischman did a bit of a tour on uh, someone's Instagram feed recently. I think it might have been Investacard's Instagram feed recently. And he showed he's got the vintage area. They got the modern area. They got the sit down, hang out area. You know, like you said, experiential, really important. You're you're kind of building. the. It's a pub in a way. It's a bar, just like a cheers. You want to you want people to come in, hang out. The longer they hang out, the more money they're probably going to spend and carry good product and get into singles, not I mean, the, the margins are so slim on wax, at least traditionally, get in on some singles, learn how to get into the singles business. Don't just be, yeah. don't just be a wax dealer is what I would think. But good question, uh, Jordan. Thank you for, thank you very much for that. Terry Fortune, Brian says, would you be able to do an insert buyback Stanley Cup hologram and pro set? Of course, why wouldn't you, right? And we can buy them back and we can also buy them back and have Stanley Cup winners. I mean, they're so expensive. We probably wouldn't want to deface them with an autograph, even if it was a great player. You don't. You don't. But we wouldn't want to deface it. But yeah, we could buy one or two back. I mean, they're so, they're expensive now. Yeah. But I, I would like to reinvent that and come up with something really clever, and use that as like a an homage and let people collect the original. The original will bring something new. Yeah, it'd be nice to to pair something new that would look good beside the original for sure. For sure. Fire Sports Cards says. Uh, was the new allegations against Probstein and PWCC collusion been discussed? Well, yes. I, I don't want to. I mean, that's pretty pretty strong comment there. Uh, we did discuss it, and uh, the the general consensus is there was no collusion. It was just a Photoshop error, and um, I believe it. I believe it to be true. I don't think there's any uh, ill intention there. So let's take that off the screen right I now. I will say though, Jeremy, the thing is, we live. Whenever an industry like this is so exciting. People are constantly looking for the next conspiracy theory. And so we have to be careful not to just create issues where they may not exist or not assume that everybody is crooked and manipulating. And yes, I just said that on the Luke, I have some weird suspicions. But if you watch some of these message boards, that's all you hear is conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory. And like at some point, it's like not everybody is trying to ruin your life with trading cards, I promise. You know, the manufacturers are not cheating you because they make plenty of money as it is. The grading companies aren't cheating because they're making plenty of money as it is. Trust me, the game is straighter than you imagine. And it's because everybody's making more money than you they've ever dreamed of in their life. Yeah, makes sense to me. Rich Klein, back to the Dallas show. Rich Klein says that we're still... Uh, businesses are still allowed to require people to wear masks. So that's that's got to be good to hear. Still won nothing for the Flames. Thank you very much. Franco, want, I, I ask a question to Steve Menzi, who owns a sports card expo and the virtual expo. Uh, and I, I don't see Steve responding, but I can a little bit. 
Uh, will we have a Toronto Expo this year? Any idea of when? Thanks. So uh, Steve does not plan to do a spring show. He doesn't think it's going to be possible at this point, which I agree with. He's definitely shooting for a late fall show, whether it's this traditional weekend being the middle of November or otherwise. We are we have yet to determine. He's not sure yet, uh, but he does plan to do a new vir another virtual show at some time, either late spring, early summer. So excited for that. And he he also mentioned to me that, you know, he wants to address some of the issues that have been uh, brought his attention from the past couple of the first two virtuals that he did, which I can say I thoroughly enjoyed, did great business at them. If you do the virtual right, the virtual X sport card expo, if you do it right, you can be very successful. So uh, looking forward to one of those. Chris DeWarnick, glad to have you as a first time watcher. To all you other first time watchers, hit the subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up on the video, guys. We do appreciate it. Uh, I noticed a few minutes ago we were over 200 viewers, so I want to thank everybody for that. That's a that's a big number for us to get there at any given time. So, but I know I got to thank Brian Gray for coming on and uh, bringing uh, all of his fans to the show. So, thank you for that, uh, BG. Here's a comment on grading. Chris Carter says, I've started using MNT grading for my $25 to $200 cards, mostly hockey, and so far, very happy. Any opinions on it, uh, myself and Brian? So for anyone who doesn't know, MNT is a Canadian company. They have a really nice slab. It's a high-quality slab uh, from what I've seen. It looks a lot like the Beckett slab, just different color at the top. Um, but, uh, you know, my comment to that, my personal comment to that is that I can see these second tier companies getting more and more business as PSA, BGS, and even SGC, which just raises prices as well as my understanding, as they can as their prices are, are increasing, I can see people going to these second tier uh, grading companies for, for their grading needs. Brian said earlier that, you know, sometimes people just want their cards in a slab, you know, so there's, he says there could be a business just for that, just for slabbing it and maybe putting a label what it is. I, I could see that too. But at that point, maybe you just want a nice one touch uh, for for that for that matter. But um, any have you are you familiar with MNT, Brian? Yeah, I've looked at their slab. I mean, I guess a couple of years ago, when they first, or a few years ago, when it first really started popping up. First off, I think Beckett's been very nice not to sue them. I think the slab's too close. They didn't change enough points. I think Beckett could have buried them if they bothered suing them because the slab didn't change enough. Um, but besides that. I just, liquidity is a problem with these off brands, especially a Canadian only company. There's just going to be a liquidity issue. And I got to be honest, the number of times I've seen slabs from them or KSA, not picking on these companies, but there's a lot of altered cards in these holders. And when you take those cards, go try to cross them, to crack them out and cross them to BFPSA and BGS and see how that turns out for you. And what you're going to find out is you bought a card in a holder. It may not even be the right size, but at least it's a card in a holder. You know, but I just think, again, you get what you pay for and you figure that out. But if you just want the card in the holder, it's, it's a holder. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's okay. But, you know, it's I was in New York City before the COVID, before the pandemic, and I was walking in on one of the streets, and they had these vendors selling things. And they have, like, Dooney and Burke purses. I thought I'll buy one for my wife. That's a cheap knockoff. Looks good. It looks like a Dooney and Burke, but it's not. And so – you can make something, you can give the whole spiel about how your computer's grading your cards and all these different things these guys come up with. We have a pretty matching label, whatever. At the end of the day, it's either worth something or it's not. And just because you make something shine and look pretty does not give it value. All it means is you've done a great job of imitating to create the illusion of value. 
So you just have to be very careful. I just hope people don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars grading stuff, hoping for a financial return with a company that's unproven. I just hope people don't get stung because people getting stung is how we lose people in our industry. Agreed. And, and, you know, Ken Golden, again, who's kind of at the center of the hobby these days, he has said, and I said earlier tonight, but I know we got people coming and going. So I'm going to say it again on his platform at his, at his auction house or whatever platform he has coming down the pipes in the future. And Ken will be my guest on the show on, I believe it's April the 10th. He's going to be our guest sitting where Brian Gray is right now. So, and he, he did tell me, he said, I got, I'm going to have lots of new news for you that night. So I'm looking forward to that one. But he said he's not allowing anything on his platform except for PSA, BGS, and SGC. And I think that's a very telling and important position in the hobby uh, because it's coming from him. And he's got clout right now. So I think that's important. Colin Murray says that MNT slabs can open with your bare hands. That tells me that MNT needs to address that. Maybe they have by now. Maybe they haven't. If they're listening, address it, guys, because now may be your window of opportunity to, to blow things up a little bit. So... Uh, all the best to you if you do do that. Uh, I want to bring on this question from Amit at Cardboard Culture. And uh, uh, Brian, it's a bit different, but let's check it out. And guys, check out the Cardboard Culture YouTube channel. They just started. Uh, him and his partner, Kent, they're doing interviews every Tuesday, live interviews. This Tuesday, they have Susan. I don't know how to say her last name. Do you, how do you say Susan's last name? I can't. I just call her Suze. Suze. She goes by Suze on Twitter. She's going to be their guest. They're very excited about it, guys. They just had on Tim Carroll, the guy who cuts up cards and makes beautiful art out of them. He was their guest last Tuesday. Check out their channel. Check out their interviews. They're doing a great job so far. Uh, they just had their fifth episode. So let's give them some support as well. Um, but, uh, oh, and here building says smash that like button very much. Thank you so much. And then Amit's question, sorry, Amit's question, what drive, okay, to you, Brian, what drives your pickups? Everyone wants to know what Brian Gray is buying and you, you share the information, but I like this question because he's asking what drives your pickups, BG? Is it data? Is it your gut feel? Or is it a combination of things? When you decide what player, you say Wade Boggs, Tony Gwynn. Well, first I want to give Suze a shout out because she tweeted when ProSet is back, when their Twitter account came up out of nowhere, she said, this feels very Brian Grayish, <laughs> and she was right. Thank <laughs> golly, more people didn't catch on when she suggested that. But um, but no. Here's the thing. I, what I try to do is I try to think of like the thesis, like what is the idea behind what, like a movement in buying. Okay, so like some of the things I've been well known for what I hit home runs on, like Jordan autographs. When Jordan was when he was getting pounded in the market with all those North Carolina autographs. I was the guy sweeping at 250 any Jordan auto, even the horrible art ones out of that Jordan Master Collection where they were in, they were drawn and they were terrible. I was even buying those for 250 because my premise was Jordan autographs should not be 250, and eventually the guy's not going to want to sign. He's got big hands. He's not going to want to do this. That's why I bought those items. Then it was Chrome, LeBrons, Kobe's, and Tim Duncan's. I easily had the biggest world supply of Tim Duncan Chrome PSA 10s at one point. And again, my premise here was these cards, and again, I started buying Kobe and LeBron when they were under 1000 and I started buying Duncans at $70. So, like, I stole a premise here. These modern rookies in popular sets in high grade, eventually people have to start appreciating these like they did 
86, 87 Olajuwon. How could 86, 87 Olajuwon be 1,500 and LeBron be 700? Didn't make any sense to me. But LeBron's so much tougher. It was a no-brainer. So like, I'm thinking ahead like on some of these things. I was, I was buying Jordan jersey cards because in my head I'm saying, because Panini can't get him, there will never be another Michael Jordan jersey card in a Bulls or Wizards uniform. Makes sense. One of my new premises to show you the logic here is I would probably be a buyer for LeBron, ultra high-end Panini patches, things like 2012-13 Flawless, the real beautiful premium stuff, because he is two years from quitting. And when he quits, there will never be another LeBron Panini card, not even a nice jersey. They won't even be able to make a card of the guy because he's an upper deck exclusive. So LeBron will never have another trading card in a uniform, only pajamas, which is the airbrush. That's it forever. So, like, you have to look ahead and say, why am I not buying these LeBrons? LeBron's going to be like Jordan where every card is five bucks. So, like, low-end PSA 10s, a LeBron, all these weird years in between. People are starting to nibble on that, but there's going to be an era there's no LeBrons. So, again, for me, what I'm looking at is under, like, 90 Lee Frank Thomas's. Everyone was chasing Griffey. So I'm saying, what about all these other iconic cards from the 90s? So I bought 90 Leaf Thomas's at 200. You know, just things like that that, like, I'm just thinking ahead, like, people are buying this, and I'm not going to go chase what everyone else is buying. I'm not going to do that. So what's what are they missing? What's the next step? Well, when I think of that card, what other card does it make me think of? And that's where a lot of it comes from. And then, you know, and then again, like right now, Steve Young, 86 tops. How is that card so cheap compared to Jerry Rice? It's a good card. It's still condition sensitive, just like Rice. But then if you have a lower budget, what about Reggie White and Andre Reed? They're also condition sensitive in 86 tops. How is a Ronnie Lott 82 tops, PSA 9, $70, but a Lawrence Taylor is 1000 yeah. Okay, it doesn't make sense. So, like, again, that's what I'm doing. I'm just looking at the next step. While everyone's chasing this, what cards remind me of that card? And are people chasing it? If they're not, then I am. Randy Johnson and Smoltz in 89 upper deck when Griffey's good. Just keep that theory going and keep thinking about things like the LeBron. Now that I say it, it makes total sense. But until I thought of it, I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't thought, why am I not buying these? It's not going to have any more cards. So, so until until I thought of it, I hadn't thought of it. I love that one. I mean, it didn't even pass my mind for one second. And now it's like a premise that's like, it makes total sense to me. Like, so, why did I think of this a year ago when I could have bought LeBron's even cheaper? I should have been thinking about what's coming. You know? So, so you're not really using data to answer Amit's question. You're using you're using your gut, and you're using your your experience and your knowledge of the hobby because you you see one card doing something, you instantly your brain immediately goes to other cards that are comparable in some fashion to the base card or or to the the, the main card that we're talking, whether it's a Jerry Rice or a Joe Montana, whoever. That that's experience, and that's why you sharing your ideas and you sharing your activity publicly. Is, is something that not many other people are doing. So kudos to you for that. That okay. comes into play, though, because you got to really see if there's a value there. Because if it's already been bid up, the data is important because if you say, fine, I agree with Brian's premise. Well, if you go by 2012-13 Flawless LeBron Premium Patches and they're $4,000, okay, that card may not fit the premise anymore. You're really going to still have to do a lot of research to figure out the cards that are underappreciated. You know, and I think that's a big – Bill Russell autographs, he's not signing anymore. The rush artists have gone crazy. Is Oscar Robertson next? Is Bob Cousy next? Is all those guys 
could be much more expensive than they are. Koozie can be 300 on any autograph. Very easy, and you can buy them under 100 bucks right now. So like, you have to be thinking like this all the time. You know, Bill Russell just popped who's next. Same okay. Thing. Let's uh, – Papa Pete has a question. He says, uh, any and Leaf King of the Ring – any more Leaf King of the Ring products coming out, Brian? I think what you'll see is in a multi-sport, you'll see that as an insert where we have boxers and wrestlers and MMA guys, what have you. There you go. There you go. Thank you for that. There you go, Papa Pete. Uh, thank you for your patience on that. I want to get to this question here from Ryan O'Hara. He says, do you have any thoughts on the growing PSA versus Beckett resale price discrepancy? If I were advising Beckett, I think the, the big thing is, I think the registry is a big deal. That's a big deal. And I think BGS could pull off a registry now with heavy promotion. Like challenge people to build an 86-87 set with the highest grade. The winner gets 20 gradings a month for the next 10 years or whatever it is. You know, you could find ways to incentivize people to really chase, to chase an 89 upper deck baseball set in BGS 10. Build the whole set in BGS 10 and get this crazy whatever. You know, so there's things you can do. I think the registry is a piece of it. But I think, honestly, there's going to be a gap anyway. And some of it, I think, even originates to the fact that Beckett graded sheet cut cards originally on vintage. And so immediately it was established that a 9.5 and a, and a PSA 10 were different because there were tons of – you know this from being in hockey land. There's tons of 9.5s in that early hockey where PSA 10s don't exist. And I think some of that has trickled down, and it's just become how it is. Like I bought a Montana 9.5 on eBay for 10300 three days ago. I had no intention to buy it. But I just saw it about to end in one minute, and I said, PSA 10s are 70000 I think 10300 is a good value proposition. Yeah. And it turns out it was the lowest the card sold for in like six months, four months. So okay. I, I picked a good time. But like that's, I think that's, that's, that's a statement of what we're talking about. The difference is pretty big. Yeah. You know, a 9.5 Jeter is 45000 and a PSA 10 is about to sell for a million in Heritage next month. So like that's a big difference, one million to forty five thousand. Yeah, that's a pretty big difference. It, it won't is. be. It, it'll get narrow some. It'll be one million versus a hundred thousand, but like still, that's a big difference. Yeah. But I think I, for collectors, that's an opportunity, right? Because the gap will eventually narrow. The same way people told me with Leaf, unlicensed cards will never be worth anything. But then I saw just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a Pat Mahomes two thousand seventeen Leaf Ultimate autograph in a PSA 10 just sold for $5,000. This is an unlicensed leaf draft card with airbrush logos just sold for $5,000. So I take the mic and drop it and say, suck it. Cause yeah. honestly you're wrong. Things change. Yeah. That gap will narrow. I, I believe it will, but PSA is the king and Beckett is the very strong prince. And the other companies are the jester and the night and a bunch of other stuff that run around like you know, no one cares. I, I think you're. I think I think PSA set registry is really their biggest uh, power. Yeah, it's a big, oh. com big competitor. So many people just they need their cards in PSA slabs because they're competing on those on those red mm -hmm. on those various registry sets. So it makes good sense to me. Ryan has a, another very quick. Question. What card do you have the most copies of right now? Soto. Um, no Acuna updates. Acuna. I have the I have the biggest supply of any individual in the world, but but I mean I have over one thousand copies of that card in PSA ten. 
MPSA 10. What's the pop on it? Oh, it's 15,000, 18,000. Now, I did have, this is what will make you vomit. I sold two years, three years ago, I had 22 Opeachy Lemieux PSA 10s. I know. That was almost the whole pop. And I sold them to pre-war. And now they're worth $75,000 each. Clearly, I didn't get anything close to that. But there's lots of cards I've owned 50, 60, 70% of the pop on. Totally okay. We like that. But if I showed you, I have cards all over the place behind me. But like I've got a box out here with like SP9 Jeters, PSA. Then that stuff I'm buying. Cracked Eye Sign Williamson. You know, just stuff that I, you know, 84 months Marino, PSA 10. This is my little collection behind me. And so, you know, I just I just keep adding to it. But I, my big one is Acuna. That's the one I have a lot of, and I still think it's too cheap. Okay, there you go, Ryan. Okay, uh, Big Unit says Kevin McHale, very underpriced. We were talking about underpriced cards. For 182, a bird is a bird is two thousand dollars, and a McHale is under two hundred. Yeah. It's an actual McHale rookie. Get out of here! No way. I bought I bought a PSA nine McHale rookie at the 2019 National from Gary V. That's the one card I bought off of Gary at his booth at the show. How much was it? 100 and a quarter, 150? No, it was less. That's I think good. I gave him 50 bucks for it. That's what I'm saying. Now the card's under 200. There's no way Bird's 2,000 plus and Mikel's actual rookie, which was in like the Eastern, I think. It was in one of the regional pieces of that. Is under $200? Get out of here. No way. That's yeah. a buy. Bye, bye, bye. Mike Mike Kohler, who's got a big Com C account, says uh, five left Steve Young rookie cards on Com C now. After you, uh, after you made that it, comment, it makes sense. It does make sense. It, it makes does make sense. sense. My friend Victor at All Time Greats Blog says, I always enjoy listening to seasoned collectors. Imagine having 30, 40, 50 plus years of hobby experience. I'm, I'm in the 30 club plus for sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I've been hey. a dealer for over 30 years. So, I mean, I'm a. 40 as a collector, 30 as a dealer. There you go. There you go. Here, Chris Carter, I'm glad he reminds us of this. What's the latest news on the Madonna uh, outfit that you purchased? Still haven't. I, I won it in the Fanatics All-In Challenge, and they were shocked when I won because how often does someone you know in the hobby win something like that? I still haven't gotten it. Well, I'm just waiting. Maybe someday I'll just email them and say, hey, how about you just sign 20 pictures for me so you can keep it? Yeah. But if I send her like 40 by 60, yeah. <laughs> I can find somewhere to sign them. Maybe she'll still sign autographs for Pop Century for 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. Who knows? But I'd like to get that. That would be pretty cool. But she's also supposed to call and sing happy birthday to me. Oof. So you hope that's part of the prize. That's pretty cool. That is cool, man. Madonna. I mean, well, come on. She's, a, a, she's an absolute legend uh, as far as music goes. Epic. Absolute. Epic. Yeah. Having her sing happy birthday to you, that's like uh, Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday to JFK. It's a, yep. a, that's a big deal for sure. Bobby Burrell makes a comment. I don't know if Bobby's being facetious or sarcastic with the last part here, but welcome to the show, Bobby. He says, underappreciated cards are always undervalued. Overpriced cards are still undervalued. That's kind of the state of the hobby right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much true. But the thing is, I think you can also have this attitude that so many people get scared off by a card because they missed it. And the best story is Mike Trout tops update, PSA 10s, at the Chicago show maybe a few years back. A guy was at the Beckett booth, had 100 of them. That he reviewed them with Beckett, they didn't cross any to BGS 10s. And me and Joe Clements were there, and he offered them to me for $100 each. 100 tops update Trout 10s. And I said, that is a garbage card. Okay, this is how dumb I am. I said, this is a garbage card. It's a total hype job, and no one's ever going to care about these flagship updates. 
And boy, am I a moron. But you know what? I never bought one between 100 and 1,000 because I was a bitter pill the whole time that I turned down that 100 and I just missed out. So sometimes cards that feel frothy, they're supposed to. They went up 100, 200, 300% on you. But like, again, if you look at, does that mean you shouldn't have bought Apple stock once it ran from 10 to 100 because now it's 7,000 split adjusted? Like, sometimes you have to say, I missed the bottom. It's okay. Yeah, I can still get on in the second floor and still go to the penthouse. Right. You know, and I think we have to have that attitude. So sometimes cards that feel frothy can really still be undervalued. Sometimes frothy cards are garbage, but a lot of sometimes they're legit and they're, they're just on their way, you know? Yeah, no, agree for sure. I, I bought my my trout uh, tops update at the national. I forget what year it was, maybe 2014, 2015 for PSA 10 for 300 bucks. I went the next national. I went back the same. The guy had a stack, three stacks of them in a showcase. Probably had 30 of them, 40, 50, whatever it was. Went back the next year. He had them in a showcase now at 900. I'm thinking, oh, pretty good. I bought it for 300 off the same guy a few years ago. Went back in 2019. Now he's got them up to whatever it was at that point in time, $2,000, something like that. So, you know, you can't always get in at the bottom. That's for sure. Uh, Brandon George, welcome, says, is this the real Leaf CEO, Brian Gray? Yes, it is, Brandon. Yes, it certainly is. Hockey guy says, did I tell BG about my vanilla ice rookie card? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I did open some of that pro set uh, superstars music last week and uh, pulled the vanilla ice. He's got two rookies in the set, actually. A little known, little known fact, when I was a freshman in college, I asked a girl on a date and I went on a date with her. And I'm from Dallas where vanilla ice is from. And it turns out she had dated him the year before in high school or two years before. And all she talked about the whole night was Robbie Van Winkle. Yeah. And I finally just said to myself, I wasn't really interested anyway, but thank God I couldn't hear another minute of Robbie Van Winkle talk. But that was Vanilla Ice. So that, that's kind of an interesting side that you probably would never know and don't care. Yeah, <laughs> but fun to hear about, man. Fun to hear about. Okay. I think I can say this is a, a two couple topics still on the agenda for tonight. Let's talk about, because uh, this is big news in the hobby, Golden Auctions, Ken Golden, Sold off a chunk of the company, it seems like. Got a $40 million investment. Um, and he's going to be using that money to build up a platform, you know, really scale up the business. Um, he's alluded to it a few times in his Instagram lives, which he does regularly now. Really entertaining. And again, we'll be th- my guest on the show on, I'm going to confirm it, but I do believe it is April the 10th that I have Ken scheduled for. I'm going to confirm right now. It is April the 10th. So make sure you guys come back for that. These investors that he now has, I have a list here. Kevin Durant, Dwayne Wade, Mark Cuban, Logan Paul, Deshaun Watson, Bill Simmons, Timbaland, who joined him on an Instagram Live last week, and Mark Wahlberg. I mean, that is a list of people that you expect to see at the Academy Awards or wherever, you know, not buying into a hobby auction company. What does this, and now, Brian, I know you're bullish on the hobby and you have been for a long time. I'm well aware. I see what the shows. I know what you're what you're up to. What does this tell you? Are you bullish enough? Have you been under bullish, over bullish, right on bullish? Like what do you what does this tell you when you see a list of these names? Where is the hobby going when a, a list of that caliber? And by caliber, I mean reach and influence over the over society. What what does it mean? Here's here's what I can tell you. I, I've signed non-disclosure, so I can't say names. But I can tell you in the last four weeks for leave, just leave, I've had a call with a future baseball Hall of Famer, 
who is interested, an NBA player, current player who's interested. Um, I had a call with a billionaire who's a well-known billionaire. Had a call with a billionaire. And who else did I talk to that was um, – I've had a few calls like this. There are people who are like vanity investors, and they see our industry and they see a real opportunity. They see an opportunity in the space because they have vision. And again, this is where being being collectors and dealers and investors and whatever we are, I think we sometimes think of ourselves and we don't give ourselves credit for being in the right place at the right time and deserving to be there. And so I think a lot of times we think too small because they think this industry is a $100 billion a year business, $200 billion, $500 billion. They are thinking so much bigger than we ever dreamed. And because it's kind of like thinking cards are too high because they've gone up so much. Because we saw this first boom, we can't get our arms around something 10 times the size happened. And so we just can't see the forest for the trees. And I think these kind of people have more vision. And I think they can, listen, we should be looking at this and seeing a trend here that this is real. This is proof it's real. There's big money. It's not just the these celebrities. Cohen, the owner of the Mets, he's part of the PSA group. Look at these deals. Look who's behind the scenes. I think they announced the uh, the Chardon group, who's Peter Chardon, who used to be the head of Fox. I mean, is behind is involved in both deals. These are big freaking dogs. Yeah. This isn't just an athlete throwing a few hundred grand into a pack into a pool. This, there's some big money here. And they all see that this is, and again, this is, I see someone just asked a question about where were these investors five years ago? The fact is, in the world generally, alt investments, Bitcoin, these NFT things, I mean, all these different things, art, look at Banksy's art in the last five years. People are buying all these alt investments in a way that is totally new and fresh. And if you can get your arms around imaginary Bitcoin, you get by the, having computers do massive. Like if you can get your arms around that, trading cards are a piece of cake. And so for me, the reason they were buying it five years ago is that the general big world did not really care about all investments like they do now. They did buy wine. They did buy some stuff. But it was more like really the ultra rich only. Now everybody wants to hedge against the U.S. dollar and inflation and and that's it's just it's a whole new trend and we're just part of it. Thank God we're part of it. Yeah. You know, we're part of it. Yeah. No, I agree. And you know, the, the question that Adam asks, uh, where were the investors five years ago? They were waiting, waiting in the bushes, waiting for there to be something to throw their money at. And then I was buying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, buying I did buy companies. I bought it in the game, I bought East Dennis, you know. So I mean I bought companies too, but I bought a lot of stuff. So what do you think about this comment from Franco? It's real until the next big thing comes around, Brian, like always. Now, I just want to say that cards are not cards have been around so long. This isn't it's not a new thing. People have been investing them for quite some time now. So, you know, and this can maybe segue us a little bit into Top Shot, which is, you know, a, an NFT of sorts that's dressed up with a skin that is a a moment, a play by a player. And my per, one of my personal thoughts is that like it's fine, but cards are still. You can't go to an. You can't go to a Top Shot show, walk around, talk to people, look in their showcase, and see their moments, and then look back at them and want to trade them. You got to show up your phone or whatever. Cards are tangible. You can pick them up. You can move them around. Look at them under the light. These things. These things. NFTs. Top Shot. They are never going to displace sports cards. I. I just 
can't see that ever happening. I don't believe it. Brian, First, please. I want to thank Franco because he wrote Brain, and it must have been a Freudian slip. He must have thought I was brilliant. But, no, but I think, but I think realistically, I think yes, you can make the argument that what goes up must come down, except it doesn't always. I mean, you have to understand, we didn't have television until the 1950s. And you can say, oh, television will only be good until the next thing comes along. But some things are evergreen. Well, remember when the remember when the internet was going to be a fad? Oh, the internet was a fad, for sure. And, but not. And, and that's the thing is, it's very easy to call something to be a doubter or question. And listen, it's a healthy exercise to question these things. Like if you're buying Top Shot right now and you're not asking yourself some questions, you're not really doing yourself a good service. And I think I think the Oilers just scored. Sorry. But, okay. um, but anyway, I think uh, you're not doing yourself a great service if you're not thinking about this. But even though I'm skeptical of Top Shot, you said something a minute ago that I want to I want to just give you a line to think about. You said you can't really go to a show and buy moments and like you have to pull out a phone or technology, but I'm going to answer your question with yet. True. There's a whole lot of yet. Yeah. Agreed. Baseball cards were just paper until the day they came out with game years, until the day they came out with autographs, until the day grading came along, and until the day. And so I would argue Heritage just sold a top shot moment for 100,000 plus. A Zion rookie for 130,000. So, top shot moments are now in the auction circuit. Yeah. It may not be long before you see the first physical top shot convention when everyone has monitors on their table where they'll transfer ownership on the spot for cash. I mean, who knows what the future holds? I personally like to open the packs on top shot and sell all the cards immediately. So, hopefully, I've got a bunch of money someday, which so far I'm doing really good at that. But I'm not going to be buying into that like that and investing hundreds of thousands. But Everything is yet. I agree. And because what there's I, you a know, lot of surprises that come along that we don't expect. I agree. I can actually see what ha something happening where when you buy these moments, you can then actually re redeem or, or pay a little fee and have Top Shot send you some sort of tombstone that represents the moment. And now you can put these things in your showcase, some sort of plaque or uh, a stat, something that is actual physical that now you can trade with somebody and then that gives them the right to transfer the moment into their account, some type of technology like that. So I do agree with you. You are right. Well, I've heard through the grapevine NHL's working on a, on a deal with Top Shot. I heard so, that too. I mean, Dapper. So they're going to have an NHL version of Top Shot. Um, WWF or WWE, whatever it's called, wrestling. Yeah. They're doing a Dapper deal. They're going to have a website with them. I so you're going to be able to buy – when you can buy hockey moments, are you going to be out there buying hockey moments? I will. I will buy. Yes, I will. Yeah, or buy packs life. to sell your moments. <laughs> I, 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 I bought one pack of Top Shot in December, and I never for twenty four dollars. I never opened it. It's sitting in my account. I don't. I don't even know what it's worth. But people opened me, it. No, I didn't what open it. it. What do you want for it, blind? I don't even know what. Grand. Twenty grand. Twenty. Twenty grand is too high. Yeah. Well, what did you buy? You bought it in December. Yeah, it's and it's a. I forget which one it is, but someone has told me it's worth a couple grand now. So I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, that, that's pretty cool. Okay, let's keep going because we're running out of time here. I want to bring up this comment, Chris Carter. Um, you know, we're talking about the people that are though. Just to for clarity for this comment, Chris, we were talking about the investors into the companies more so than into the cards and the hobby. Just to clarify uh, that comment there. 
Um, and then I wanted, oh boy, we got lots of comments pouring in on that topic. So let's take, oh, there's a, here's a comment that I, this is one of my favorite comments I've ever seen. The big unit says everyone talks about a correction and prices dropping. Is it possible? The junk wax era left such a bad taste in people's mouths. It scared off the investors. The correction is the current increase. I mean, that's a contrarian view. We haven't heard before. At least I haven't really heard it before put that way, but that makes some sense to me because when the hobby was ramping up in the early 90s, it it corrected, it crashed, whatever happened because of the supply issues. And that did scare off a lot of people. Did it take 20 years, 20 plus years for the correction to come and the people to come back? It's almost a generation later. This makes a lot of sense to me. What, what's your take? Well, I'll tell you this. I learned from a long, a long time ago from someone who was an expert in the stock market, a very good trader, told me, that most of the movement in the market happens four days a year. If you pick four or six or whatever number of days a year, the movement on those days is the substantial move over the course of any long term. You can pick a few days a year. So I like to think, and where my thesis is right now, is that Griffey Upper Decks were the same price for 20 years. So this is 20 years of appreciation we're catching up on in a year or two. That's all. So like, it's been the same price for... For 20 years so it's catching up and now we've probably caught up a little bit and so now you're probably going to see the iconic stuff probably going to flatten here it's probably if i was going to invest money now i'd probably go buy lucas trays zions jaws tatums because the new stuff has gotten pretty cheap all of a sudden it's yeah. a buy because everyone's chasing iconic cards so like but i think this is because the stuff stayed so cheap for so long and i think we just caught up it just all of a sudden, people said, what's wrong with us? We haven't been buying this stuff for 20 years, and it just made its run real fast. So if you look at it over a 20-year chart, it's actually a reasonable rate of return. Yeah. But, like, it just happened all at once instead of every year over 20 years consistently. Agreed. I can get my arms around that. Papa Pete makes a great comment. He says, real assets always win. And in my opinion, sports cards are real assets simply because they're tangible. You can hold them. You can trade them and, and those, those sorts of things. Uh, great comment there. Uh, Adam says, does anyone actually collect Top Shot though? I don't, I've never heard from anyone that collects it at this point. I've only heard of people using it uh, to make money. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Brandon George says, did you guys cover dibs? We haven't covered dibs yet, but it is on the agenda. The only sort of issue is that we don't know a ton about it, but for the, just for the sake of the viewers, and we're going to do this pretty quickly. I'm going to kind of show you guys what I know about it. So here's here's the Dibs uh, website, and Dibs is basically the Robin Hood of fractional ownership, is my understanding. Where you know they make some comments where you can uh, you can buy and sell cards instantly in real time, and you can get in for a dollar. So it's not like with uh, collectible or or Otis or Rally where you're, you're buying in for you know $50 minimum or $20 minimum. With this uh, platform, you can get in at like a penny. And they actually, uh, if you go to their website, if you can see it here, it's blog.dibs.io. I've heard good things about it in terms of people, just secondhand comments, people really like what they're seeing with it. And my real, real, high level understanding, which is not very good at this point, is that 
I think this thing ha will have some legs, um, but of course I could be proven wrong, but I think it will have legs. My other understanding is that uh, Jeff Wilson and Sports Card Investor are investors in it. I don't believe it's them running it, but I do believe that Jeff uh, is an investor in this company. So, you know, he's got some, he's got definitely got an audience and uh, a following. So that, that will benefit them as well. I would love to check it out. I would love to be able to play on dibs. Unfortunately, it's only open to residents of the United States at this point in time. So um, I'm ineligible, but I would love to, to be eligible for it. Brian, do you have anything to add? I mean, I was always a critic of fractional ownership until I bought part of the 52 man on PSAA with collectible. Um, I, I was lucky enough to get $500 worth of the Brady IPO, which was two contenders Brady's that were way underpriced. So I was blessed to have gotten part of that. You know, I think there's some good, I think I'm starting to come around to fractional. I think the key is to create a liquid marketplace where the stuff can trade. Yeah. Because selling you a fractional piece is one thing. Allowing you the ability to get in and out is a whole nother. And if we can do this where people can buy small quantities, large quantities like Robinhood, we've already seen the powerful impact Robinhood has in the stock market. I think it could have an impact in our market. I really do. And the idea of day trading cards is kind of funny if there's enough volatility to make it actually move. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, trust me, the minute we log off, I'm going to that site to check it out. Yeah. I'm curious. For sure. Peeps wants to know, is dibs different than Starstock? The answer is yes. It, it's much different. You're not sending your own cards into dibs. You're not getting them back. There's no grading. It's like fractional ownership. But uh, it seems to be the most, from what I understand, the most efficient model in fractional that we've seen so far. That's what I That's what I think. Lee says, I'm using dibs to see which cards they are fractioning, and I just buy that card. That's pretty uh, pretty cool uh, approach. And Brandon says, once you own all of it, you can get it shipped to you. Okay, that's interesting. I you know got to read it myself to learn more. And as Brian said, he's going to go do that uh, himself as well. Uh, Mike says, I collect. I've got over 900 moments. Thanks, Jeremy, for letting me know about it. Hey, Mike, you're welcome. Uh, you want to cut me in on those profits? I'll send you my... Uh, he's got 900 moments. He's killing it. He's got, I'll, I'll send you my EFT address there, Mike. I kid, but congratulations to you. You might be uh, swimming in dough right now with that. Okay, uh, and then Chris Carter. Here's a cool comment. Uh, it's It speaks about provenance, uh, Brian, and, and really understanding the history of a vintage card. Uh, he says, do you ever see your brand's cards ownership being able to be traced somehow? I mean, Panini is mean, doing some blockchain. I don't know if it's really blockchain, but it's kind of blockchain-ish. Top Shot is really the first thing because I sold some moments on Top Shot, and I'm able to go back and look at the people who bought it for me, what they sold it for. I can look on Top Shot and see all the prices that item is sold for. That's what blockchain really is about. Is exactly. To be and a living whatever of, of of a card, and I think that's the idea behind blockchain. Now, will we ever go down that road? Don't know, you know. But I do think it's fascinating to really know a card's history like that. It's kind of interesting. But again, in order to do that, it really can't be a physical card. It has to be a digital asset where every transaction goes through a clearinghouse. And so, it's really got to be something proprietary, like Top Shot. And the knock is, it's hard for a lot of people to get money out of Top Shot. Yeah. I spent the whole weekend trying to confirm my account on there so I can get money out of there. And it keeps rejecting my confirmed identity. And I keep putting my ID and I do all the stuff it says and I, it won't let me, it won't approve me. So like I can't get my money out. I'd love to get money out because I made a lot of money in Top Shot accidentally. You know, so, yeah. but, but I mean, that's the thing. We just have to have, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think it has to be on a clearinghouse like that to work. 
Yeah, I agree. The blockchain, that, that's what the blockchain is, is a permanent uh, ledger that shows exactly, uh, the, if I'll use the word, the chain of ownership of, of, of the asset or or of the the Bitcoin or whatever it is that, that kind of floats Jeremy, through. Can I, can I mention one thing I see in the chat here? Someone mentioned on dibs that they have the 2011 Shroud Update PSA 10 valued at over 10000 So like, this is where you've got to watch because if they're selling fractional shares, and they're essentially doing an IPO. If they set the mark, the price on the asset at too high a level, but you can't like short the shares, and you can't send that a trout to like fill the order for all the buys. It I wonder though, Brian. I wonder if what Brent is saying is if is that what Dibs offered it at, or is that what the units are now selling for? And if you if you take the market cap of the card, it's now at ten thousand dollars. Because of the users, not because of dibs. I wonder if that's what he's getting at. Well, well the problem is if some if dibs has a card, they've got to make shares available for bid and ask. But if they make it available, if they make a bid, let's say there's a thousand shares and they're at nine dollars or ten dollars each. If they say I'm buying and we're buying a thousand at nine, selling a thousand at ten, or nine hundred at nine. You can't send your card in to fill the nine hundred the nine hundred share order. You have to own shares to fill an order which means they have to have sold them at a higher level first. So I think there's a little opportunity for manipulation or getting people to overpay to play the game. But I think, again, these things all in time become more efficient or they fail. Well, here, he, he clarifies, he says, units are now selling for that. So that's like a buyer on there saying, and remember, you can buy one unit. You don't, you can say, hey guys, I'll buy a unit. I'll put it, I'll, I'll buy a unit for $10. Uh, and if there's a thousand units in, in the, in the float, then that, you have a $10,000 valuation, but that next day, that same unit could potentially sell for $4, $5, $6. So it should be $6. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, very interesting stuff. Great question. Okay. Two more topics and then we're going to call it a night, Brian. We're at the hour 50 minute mark. We have had amazing viewership all the way through. So thanks to you, Brian, for your celebrity status and bringing, oh, yeah. on, all these, bringing on all these people. And if you're new to the show, guys, hit the subscribe for me, please. Greatly appreciate it. Thumbs up, all that. Hope to have, and also I'll mention that uh, in about 40 minutes time after Brian and I sign off, I will be back on the same YouTube channel. Not, th not this broadcast. We'll be starting a new broadcast on the YouTube channel called After Hours. And my guest will be a uh, good friend, Joe Perot. And we're going to continue chatting about the hobby tonight for those of you who want to stick around late night. So Brian, two more topics. The first one, I just want to I want to mention it because it's important and it's just the right thing to do. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's father, Walter Gretzky, passed away yesterday or the day before. Um, that was a sad. He was 82 years old, I believe. Not that old in all things considered. Uh, was battling some health issues, but the great one's father passed away. You know, up here in Canada, it's kind of like a, a moment yeah. of silence sort of thing for us up here. What? Have you seen much news on it in, in the in the states in the Dallas area? What what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, we see it like on mainstream mainstream news kind of reported it. Not not on not on channel not Fox in Dallas, but like if you watch CNN or something, you saw a quick mention on it. But you know, honestly, we send our condolences out. You know, we don't work with Wayne Gretzky, but you know, it's sad. You know, anytime you have someone who's who loses a family member, it's sad. And then when it's someone who has really managed to stay kind of in the limelight of a hobby like ours. He's still kind of been around, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's, it's still, it's, it's like you lost your uncle, you know, yeah. even if he's not related to you, it's like an uncle and it's sad, you know? So we, we sent our condolences to the family and friends of, of Walter and it's, 
you know, hate to see that always, but that's part of life, and it's that's the sucky part. You know, but, but it, it, happen know. Way, but, you know. it happens. It's unpopular, but I've said it before. Old people pass away it's just the it's the circle of life but uh it's sad and walter gretzky was known as canada's hockey dad so the country is is sad but you know when i see pictures of him and wayne together that makes me happy yeah because then yeah. i know that they they really were the real deal you know and in a world of bad dads he's a good one it looks like for sure for sure. Okay. I wanted to just, you know, pay respect to Walter uh, and Wayne for that matter in the Gretzky family. The other topic I want to chat about with you is this new social media platform called Clubhouse. I know uh, I'm on it. I've seen you on it. I know Carvin, uh, Carvin Chung is on it. Chris, Chris McGill from uh, Card Ladder and uh, House of Jordans. Um, he's on it. Uh, among some others, um, What's your first impression of this new this new platform? Because I've seen you lurking on there. Well, I just got invited this week by a friend of mine, Aaron in Nebraska, and he invited me. And so I went and checked it out. And honestly, the first night I was on there, I heard um, there was a chat going on about um, NFTs, like Top Shot. And then the next night, there was one about collectibles. You know, is it is it worth owning collectibles or some general discussion? And I liked it. I really did. And honestly, I've been thinking about, should we use that as a platform? Not for like a leaf sales pitch, but just to top cards. I love the idea of moderating. And even if it were me and you or who knows, having some kind of discussion on there where we just talk about cards as an investment, because I think that's what that community is really interested in, it seems like. But like I, I actually, here's my thing. While I'm listening to it, I actually go click on all the people to see what they do who are listening. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many creatives, how many CEOs, how many smart business people are listening. And so in that sense, I think it's almost like a TED talk yeah. for, for certain topics where you're listening to like a TED talk. And so I think there's something there. I really do. And I think, again, if, I, if I'm telling the truth when I say I want to interact with collectors and share like for free my opinion, you have to subscribe for any price to get my opinion on stuff. I'll just talk to you. But I think there's I think there's a real argument for using that as a platform to to really engage, you know. And I think yeah. you have a crow crew of people here. I would love to have all 200 of these people like in a room where we can be calling people up on the stage, letting them all chit chat here and there, and ask questions live and answer them. That's kind of cool. It's basically it is basically like what we have going on here with the viewers, except instead of me clicking on their comment, putting it on the screen, and then reading it out loud. It's basically them speaking. India, raise your hand. You speak in real time. It's a little awkward at first, but you get used to it. And it's only audio. There's no, there's no video. There's no, there's nowhere. I've all, I've been listening. I thought, oh, I don't want to say anything because you know I, I'm usually listening in bed late at night. My wife's sleeping next to me, and then people are they see me down there, so they're talking to me. It's like, sorry guys, I'm I'm in bed. I can't talk. You can't even make a post and say anything. You, you it's strictly audio. I think it's pretty cool. Um, Amit makes a comment down here. He says, totally like a TED Talk. I am hooked. It's so awesome. And he also, yeah, he has it on 24-7. Brandon George says, I never knew about this. So I want to let everybody know in case you're kind of wondering what we're talking about. It's called Clubhouse. It's an app. It's only available on iOS, not available on Android at this time. And you cannot just download. You have to be invited in. And 
I was fortunate enough to be invited. You were, Brian, uh, fortunate enough to be invited. And once you are, and that's why I think it's still pretty new in the whole scheme of things. And that's why you're seeing so many kind of high-end CEOs and smart people in there because it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been invite only up to this point. But the thing is going to blow up and catch on. And I'm convinced it's going to so, be- Jeremy, what do you say? We do investment card investment talk on Clubhouse? I do. We invite, I think we invite these 200 or so people to join us and uh, well, make, make it out of it sometime. We do. The only problem is we can't invite people. You So as a user, we get a few invites every so often, right? You get oh, three here. Yeah, you only get a few invitations every couple of days where you can even invite your friends from your contact list onto the app. But when you when you can, it's pretty cool. So eventually it will grow and grow. But the other thing, Brian, is that you know these 200 people are great, obviously, but you can build your a brand new audience there. There's people yeah, that no drop doubt. in and listen. There's people that drop in and listen on conversations. I you mentioned Bill Russell last night. I was listening to Bill Russell's daughter in a room talking about her initiatives in, in what she's doing to bring social justice and that sort of thing. And I only listened because it was her. You know, there's all sorts of famous people in there tonight. MC Hammer is doing a talk in there. You know, so it's kind of neat. Um, but I just wanted to bring it up because I think this is going to be something that we're going to be hearing a lot about as 2021 uh, continues on. So, yeah, I was very impressed with it. I'll be honest with you. And I think as the platform, and it, honestly, it's a way for a platform to scale up with limited invites so that it doesn't become overwhelming too quick. Yeah. Because there's really yeah. only four or five main chats going on all the time, three or four or something, you know? Well, but it depends how many interests you select. Then you'll right. see more in what's called your hallway. So I want to, let's bring up a couple. Mike Truman says, no thanks, reeks of fake exclusivity. That That's not it at all, Mike. It's basically a new app. And before they get, they get blown up to the point where they can't handle the traffic, they're scaling it. And they're making sure that they're doing it right because there are some talks in there that I've listened to, which are basically people from the company explaining how it works to the people in the room. So look, look at him being a top star. They can't even get a, they can't even get half their drops off the ground because there's too many people and they've ramped up too quick. So yeah. an organized slow ramp up is sometimes a smart. smart oh, it's, it's very smart. There, there's nothing fake exclusivity about it at all. That's completely uh, in, in, inaccurate. I would say they're just scaling up at a at a pace that's going to allow them to scale properly i think it's going to be really cool so yeah meet so many there's a lot of famous people because that's who people want to invite and that's you know where they're starting they need to they need to build their traction uh malone money mindset welcome to the show says sounds like a really interesting platform it is Amit highly recommends it i'll trade you a gmail invite just make a sports channel in there there are sports channels already there there's lots of things in there already but there's definitely, and there are some sports card uh, rooms already set up, and they've got people in them all the time. And you I can see them. I was chatting with Darren Ravel the other night. I said to him, I said, "Why are we not on there debating sports cards?" Because he said he sold all his cards. No, oh. he said he cashed out of everything because he thinks we're in a bubble. Yeah, and I said, "I cannot wait to debate you. Put me on the phone somewhere with you. Let's get it on." You know, but that's a, that's a, that's an incredible opportunity. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's going to be something that a lot of will all be on eventually. I think we just have to be patient until everyone gets the invite or until they open it up and they will open it up. You got to think they're going to open this thing up because they want people on it. They will do that once they are ready to. They're just, they're really, I believe they're really um, uh, bringing it to the public in a, in a, a calculated and steady sort of uh, pace so that they do it properly. 
Uh, Terry Fortune says, how would us unfamous people get invited? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. I got invited. It's not I'm not me and you. It's not hey? me and you. They're clearly not Vicky, right? I mean, we're not famous. They're letting anybody on if we got on. No, but you just need to get invited by someone who's on there. And it's what's kind of cool, too, is when you click on someone's uh, picture, you can see who invited them, which is kind of neat, too. So there's sort of an accountability as well. And it, it's anyway, I think it's going to I think it's going to blow up. Um, Matt says, I first heard a clubhouse from comedian Tim Dillon. So, I mean, that's how we find, that's how we find out about these things. Amit says, I'm definitely not famous. And I got on, I don't think I was the one who invited Amit. So someone invited Amit and he got on, you know, there's just, it, it, it'll happen eventually and it'll eventually open up. All right. Yeah. Brian, Brian is not big and famous, but he's awesome. There you go, BG. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. I'm card famous. Like people are Insta famous or TikTok famous. I'm card famous, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If I, if I had 175 uh, invitations, I would send them to each and every one of you guys. I promise. The problem is that you need to be in my contacts list on my phone. I need to have your phone number. It's done by phone number. So, um, Anyway, and I think I did recently just, they just gave me, I'm going to open, I'm going to show you guys the app. Why don't I show you the app? So there's the, there's the icon right there. I click on it and it brings you into what's called your hallway. So these are all different sort of rooms and you can scan through and within each room, it'll tell you the top kind of what the topic is and who's in there right now. And then how many people are in there talking and how many people are in there just sort of listening. So there's one called sports slash trading collectibles. Um, and there's a whole bunch of others that aren't related to sports cards at the moment. And the one with sport, there's 13 people in there and they're all on the stage with the ability to talk. You, I'll show you, I'll go into the room here. You go into the room. The one bit that was fairly you, in the range. You can hear uh, talking right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of turn the volume down. But right now these people are all in the room and they can talk. All you do to talk is you, you, you mute yourself. You unmute yourself when you wanna talk. But you can see there's me down there. I'm down here because I'm in the audience. If I touch the raise my hand button, it'll alert the moderator to welcome me on stage. I can go on stage and I can then talk when I want to. It's a lot of courtesy, a lot of waiting your turn kind of action there. But that's basically what it is. And some of these rooms, you can scroll and scroll. There could be a thousand people in there listening, especially when it's a room that is about, especially when it's a room that is about the app itself. But I'm going to hit leave quietly right here and just sort of leave the room. And there I go. I'm no longer in there. So, oh, I see Brian Gray's in there right now, too, in the same room. I just want to see what they're talking about. It's kind of yeah. interesting. So you can we're see who's in there if you want to go in. It's, it's it's actually pretty cool. I I hope we're not making anyone too envious that you're not in there yet. But be patient. And um, and I, I have to think your time will come. <laughs> here we go. We'll invite this guy in. 555. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap this up. This has been awesome, Brian. We covered everything on my list. We covered the Tom Brady purchase. We covered their sale, the Luca 101, the PSA price increase, SGC, HG. Oh, we didn't talk about HGA retracting their AI claim off their website. The grading company, apparently they're not doing computerized grading now. Kind of hearsay. I don't. Maybe we don't get into it because I'm not exactly sure what, what's happened, but... Um, I heard they took the AI claim off their website. 
So, which makes sense. I, I still want to understand how a computer can grade a card. It could take measurements, but you still need human involvement, I believe. Anyway, we talked about golden auctions, dibs, the Dallas show, clubhouse, Walter Gretzky, pro set. Let's throw that up there one more time, guys. Pro set is back. Talking about top shot, among other things. Awesome, awesome discussion. Two one flames. Thank you so much, Terry Fortune. Be uh, Amit's looking forward to your next uh, your next podcast. BG Chris Carter, thanks BG for the great show as usual. SCL is awesome, but you've cons- constantly been the top guest. No doubt about Boom. it. No doubt of Hannafin scored. Thank you very much. And has the ninety six. Okay, we're not going to get into specific cards right now, Colin. Sorry, it's at the end of the show. Guys, BG, final comments from you, and then we're going to wrap this up. Long-term vision. Don't sell Apple because it's at 100 because it can be 6,000 split adjusted. You just have to have some vision. And just look for the place people aren't buying yet. But you can make that thesis. Come up with your own thesis. Come up with a reason why someone should be buying something they're not. And if you love this and you know the sports and you know cards, you're going to stumble across a couple of huge winners. And you only have to be right like once out of every three times. Because when you're right, you're right. And you can make a lot of money when when you come up with something totally on your own and you don't follow everybody else like most people, 99% of people do. If you're the one who comes up with the idea to buy Jordan jersey cards at $20 and now they're two, three hundred, four hundred. That's the guy you want to be as the guy that thinks of that idea. Agree. Agree. Okay, guys. Listen, we got after hours coming up. We're going to go live in about maybe even I'm scheduled for uh, 25 minutes from now with uh, Joe Perot for after hours, but we may come back at, we may go live a bit early. So if you're planning to be there, watch the YouTube channel. You'll see us, uh, the video will pop up once we are live. So check that out. Uh, before we sign off on this, though, I, we played the the Victory Investments. Uh, his name is Sean. Again, one of the most talented guys in the hobby, I think. I love this guy. Check out the Instagram account, Victory Investments, if you haven't yet. He's done two of these wraps that are hobby content. Brian, I showed you one already. Let's do the other one now. Oh. We, did, we did one. If you, if, you're, if you got here late, guys, you weren't here at the beginning. We showed the guys first. They're about a minute long each. We showed the first one at the beginning of the show night. We're going to show the second one now. And when it's over, we're just going to end this. So I want to thank everybody for watching tonight. Great to have you. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel, please go ahead and do so right now. Hit the thumbs up button. We always appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Steve Menzi. I see you. And now I'm going to uh, bring up this right here, guys. Get ready for this song. And here we go. My boy Peter Pac Man packing cards up in his backpack. And I got cards I never played, like in blackjack. And I got cards you never see, and you won't see. Cause this ain't Hollywood. And fame is what I don't need. I buy cards for the love, boy, I'm deep in. And you won't ever catch your boy sleeping. I'm deep in. I've been in this hobby since 89 with the Griffey. And I can smell a fake steak like Dave, boy, he iffy. Vegas trying to trick us with them cars. Vegas trying to get me to just buy Derek Carr. But what happens in Vegas, David stays in Vegas. You can keep them car cars, they can stay in Vegas. I roll where my homie and the goats go. Him, Jay, Bron, Kobe, they the goats though. Jack Rob, 42, man, I'm vintage. Brooklyn Dodge in the house where the bridge is. I buy Ruth, he the truth, then he prove it. And many out here don't know what they doing. They pumping dudes that ain't never done a thing. They pumping dudes that ain't never want a ring. They pumping dudes that ain't never done a thing. They pumping dudes that ain't never want a ring.
There you have it. I don't know. I, I think that's awesome. I think the guy's got some skills. Brandon George wants to know what's Brian's Instagram. Brian, why don't you say that out loud for Brandon? I think it is at Leaf Underline Cards. I don't run our Instagram. I'm a Twitter guy. So I'm at Leaf Underline uh, Underscore Cards is our Twitter. And my Twitter personally is at Leaf CEO. And that's where I tip off a lot of stuff. I'll give you a lot of free tips there and ideas. And they're worth what you pay for them. But every so often, they, uh, they jackpot for you. I'm just looking for it right now so I can tell people what it is. I'm not seeing it, but there's definitely Leaf Trading Cards. Uh, Leaf Trading Cards is the Leaf account, and you can – oh, it's Leaf CEO. There it is. It's it's Leaf CEO. L-E-A-F-C-E-O is Brian's Instagram handle. There we go. Uh, okay, guys. That's it for tonight. Well, that's it for this show. We will be back in about 10 to 20 minutes on After Hours. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Awesome show, Brian. Thanks Pleasure again, Brian. And we're going to schedule you for your fifth appearance here. We'll get you in a we'll few months down the road. And thanks to all the listeners. We appreciate you guys coming and uh, being part of it. That's we what do. makes it fun. Totally. Okay, guys. Thank you, everybody in the chat. Brian, hang tight right there for one second. We'll see you all in After Hours in a few minutes.